Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, week one is in the books. The first full weekend of college football. What are the takeaways? Eight is enough, apparently. Eight ranked teams going down to defeat. I like it. Now, there were a lot of games, uh, what, three or four of them matching uh, ranked teams. So, I mean, we knew someone had to lose the Georgia-Clemson game, and I'm just as glad it was Clemson. The ACC had a lousy first week with North Carolina losing Friday night. That hurts. And Miami just got blown off the field by Alabama. I want to give Miami some points, though, for just trying. Because this is what Alabama does. They blow everybody off the field week one. So they blew them off the field. Surprise. At least Miami was willing to play them. So I'll give them that. A little disappointed Tulane couldn't finish the comeback against Oklahoma. That would have been awesome. I don't even have words for how awesome that would be. Uh, locally, the big news is the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies all won. The Aggies in spectacular fashion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they came back. I don't know how they came back. I mean, I watched it happen. But they were down 23-11. Washington State owned the second half. They were pulling away. They were at home up by 12 And the Aggies got off the deck and beat them. And I thought the big play was the fourth down conversion on the game-winning drive. Man, they still weren't in the end zone. I mean, they're still out at midfield, and they got to have a touchdown because they're down by five. But after that, Washington State had no pushback. Every play was a win for Utah State. And they'd just been picking up two and four yards at a time and burning clock. I mean, they are at midfield with a minute to go. It was not trending well. But they got that fourth down, and all of a sudden, They knew they could do it, and Washington State knew they were in trouble. You could just see it. So a great win for Blake Anderson. We're going to hear from the Aggies coming up. To go on the road and beat a Pac-12 team, the first time they've ever beaten a Pac-12 team on the road, last time they beat a Power 5 team on the road, that wasn't even a thing. It was Kansas State in 1971. That was forever ago. 50 years. 50 years. Great win for Blake Anderson. They'll open up his career. At Utah State with a W that nobody saw coming. 17.5-point underdogs. Just just an awesome win for the Aggies. A little more uh, workmanlike for the Cougars. Uh, they got it done. They were up 21-3. to I thought they were going to blow it wide open. They certainly got helped by an Arizona team that threw an interception in the end zone and missed a couple of field goals. And Arizona left some points out there. But BYU wins 24-16. It was pretty comfortable. Arizona was driving for the tying touchdown. Uh, well, we're taking two-point conversion. They ended up taking a big sack. They missed a field goal. Arizona just made a mess of it. Um, so BYU gets the win they need in the opener and, you know, win your opening game and move on. Now, you know, we didn't see Puka Nakua. Uh, Gunnar Romney went down. Samson Nakua wasn't a factor. I guess he grabbed that onside kick at the end. But, you know, the receiving core wasn't what I expected. Certainly the passing game numbers weren't what I expected. It didn't matter. Tyler Algier was pretty much what I expected. He was as advertised, 94 yards rushing. Had a big 21-yard run to start the drive that uh, led to the, the field goal the last three points that put him up two scores at that point and pretty much sealed the deal. I mean, there was still time left, but that pretty much did it. Uh, but, you know, the passing game might be better if they get three top receivers back. So, got a lot of things uh Got a lot of things to work on, and we'll see how healthy they are for this game with Utah. And we'll spend the week looking ahead as well. But we're going to start looking back uh, here in a few minutes with uh, more on the Aggies and more on the Cougars. Uh, for the Utes, when they won. They got to watch the rest of the Pac-12 play. Man, the Pac-12 North, yikes. Now, in the South, UCLA beat LSU. And I don't know how good LSU will turn out to be. I don't know how good uh, UCLA will turn out to be. 
you know, it's always at this point in the season, well, who have you beaten? Were they, does that mean they're bad? Or does that mean they're good? What, what are we supposed to read into this? We always ask ourselves these questions this time of year. Uh, but winning's better than losing. Just stick with the obvious. And the Pac-12 beat the SEC. Take it. UCLA is 2-0. and Picked fourth because no one, everyone knows they might make a jump, but no one's convinced they'll make a jump. But now it seems much more realistic. Let's see how it plays out. The passing game, they made big plays. Uh, but they're, they're, they're only a half beat away from what Air Force was in the old Mountain West. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to beat you with the running game. And when you overplay the run game, we'll make a big play in the passing game. And that's what they did against LSU. You know, the occasional play, but it's a big play. It flips the field or, as they did, you go 75 yards for a touchdown that gets the whole sideline pumped up. So, But as for the North... I mean, they'd have been 0 for 6 if Oregon didn't come from behind in the fourth quarter to beat Fresno State at home. That was the only win. Stanford got played off the field by Kansas State. Washington, that was humiliating losing to Montana at home. Obviously, Washington State lost to Utah State. Cal got up two scores. They're up 14-0, and they lose to Nevada 22-17. Brutal. Brutal. Oregon State lost to Purdue. It was a bad day for the Pac-12 North. The South did pretty well. Arizona was the only Pac-12 South team that lost, although Colorado, Utah, ASU, they're all money games they were supposed to win. So, All right, stay with us. Coming up, we'll, get the, uh, we'll hear from the Aggies after the big win at Washington State. We'll do that next, and then after that, the Cougars, they're winning Las Vegas. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The holy war is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best holy war coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, the Utah State Aggies do it. They go to Washington State. They grind, they grind. Then they kind of start to lose track of the game there late in the third quarter. I mean, it's, you know, 3-3, three to three, it's 6-5, to five, it's 8-6, to six, there's safeties, there's jokes about baseball scores. But the fact is, the Aggies were right in it. And then Washington State gets to the end zone a couple times, they open up the 12-point lead, and that just sets the stage for the comeback. And the last six minutes, seven minutes of that game were brilliant for the Aggies. It's the middle of the fourth quarter, they need a touchdown, they need a stop, a punt, a turnover, and another touchdown. Now, The Aggies hadn't scored a touchdown in the game at that point. The Aggies hadn't forced a punt in the second half or forced a turnover in the second half. And they got two touchdowns and forced a punt. Got exactly what they needed to pull the game out. It was impressive. And the guy who looks like he won the starting quarterback job by directing the game-winning touchdown drive, Logan Bonner, speaking after the game. And Logan Bonner is going to put on the headset, and we'll chat with him and get his thoughts on what was a fun game tonight on a crazy drive down the stretch. And uh, Logan, congratulations, my friend. What a drive down late. Uh, that's what you do in the backyard as a kid or those kind of drives. How much fun was it to be the, uh, be the leader on that drive? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I think the guys uh, really prepared really well. Um, we knew we had a chance to, uh, after that first uh, time we scored and get the ball back. We knew we had a chance to go down there and win the game. So we just talked to each other like that and uh, 
we uh, were really excited for the opportunity, and I think the guys executed really well. And um, uh, just glory to God. I, I noticed uh, Logan that you. you I mean, DT, I think you had maybe three catches, including the touchdown on that last drive. Were you doing something a little bit different alignment-wise to get him some space? No, we, we ran the same alignment the whole game. It's just uh, they gave us an opportunity on that last play. Uh, it was a perfect look. Um, we kind of just looked at each other before the play, and it worked out perfectly. Defense gets a three now, gets you the ball back. It's first and goal at your own 22-yard line. You got 78 yards. You huddle up, and uh, on that near sideline, what are you saying to the team at that point? I just looked at him and said, hey, look, look at me, guys. Let's go have some fun. This is what college football is all about. And I think the guys, they had that look in their eye, and I know for sure that I did too. And I think that we all executed really well, and I think the defense did a great job today. Um, we didn't put them in the best situations at the time, but when they needed to make a stop, they, uh, they stepped up in a, big, in a big way. Now, Logan, on the previous touchdown possession, a lot of, I mean, third and six running the ball, uh, third and four running the ball. Is that, is that you checking at the line, or is that the, a call play? I mean, you guys just you ran it for 220 today. Uh, what was that like for you on that previous possession? Yeah, I mean, some of those are checks and some of those aren't. I mean, great, uh, great play calls by the, the offensive staff, Coach Tuck, and uh, all the O-line coaches did a great job, and I think we just play really well. Um, some of them checks, but most of them were just really good calls, and, and it was really want to. I mean, we wanted to run the ball. Uh, that was the emphasis coming into this game, and I think that we did that. Your two running backs, well, all your running backs, Noah was great, uh, but Tyler and Gentry really took a heavy load. Both of them, uh, 14 carries for Tyler, 13 for Gentry, but those guys, they ran like men out there tonight. Oh, absolutely. They were great backs. Our, our whole back, uh, our whole room in, uh, for the backs is, is really great, and they did a really good job all summer and uh, all spring, um, and I think they both really ran hard, and it, it, uh, it helped out. The whole team was in it this week. I mean, all our scouts gave us great looks all week, and uh, it was probably the best scout. I mean, I was at a different school, and that was the best scout work we've ever had, um, especially in the first week. So I think that the whole, the whole team did this, and I think it was really great. Um, so I, I'm just really happy for the, for the guys and the team. I want you to – and we, we can't say this without – you can't have 220 yards rushing without the big men up front doing their job. Shout out to those guys as well. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they had some want to tonight, and I think that was really huge for them. Um, and when we needed them, they stepped up. Protection was pretty, pretty great all night. Uh, couldn't ask for better. And I think just overall just, they played well. Uh, the the uh, running backs played well, and the whole defense, the st- staff and side of the ball played uh, really well. It took everybody, and we got it done. So, Logan, I know you've only been here for just a short little while, but this is the first time that Utah State has won a Power 5 road game since 1971, 50 years. What was the locker room like for you guys? It was unbelievable. These are, uh, these are times they'll, they'll never forget, and I think it was really special for the program. It was a big, big win, and I think these guys uh, sh- showed tremendous love. They showed tremendous love when I got here and when all the transfers got here. And I think that, a whole, that whole room deserves nothing more, um, especially uh, the head coach right there. Uh, Coach Anderson, he deserves nothing more. All the guys bought in. I think it was huge for the program. And and last question for me, Logan. Uh, it looks like you're holding that that foot just a little bit. You you feeling okay after this one? Yeah, I'll be fine. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And uh, hand that mic over to DT because yeah. he had himself a heck of a night as well. Absolutely. Congratulations, Logan. Appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's uh, Logan Bonner. Two touchdown drives down the stretch, and Utah State gets the victory over Washington State, 26-23. to There's Logan Bonner, and here's the guy he locked into who made uh, not only the game-winning touchdown catch, two big catches on the drive for first downs, and on the drive before that ran a reverse to set up first and goal. Devin Tompkins, Scotty said he thought he was going to be the guy. 
He's definitely the guy. Here's Devin Tompkins after the game. Last drive, coming up with some huge plays down the stretch. And, DT, let's talk about that last play, man. Uh, it looked like it was going to you the whole time. What did you see, and uh, what was it like bringing in a game-winning touchdown pass on the road against a P5 team? Um, I knew I knew, it. I knew, Logan was going to throw it to me instantly. I saw where the safety was located and just saw how they matched up against us, and I just knew it was me all day. So I knew I was ready to take the hit either way it go, but I wanted that touchdown. DT, I noticed on that drive that uh, you were you were kind of getting your guys aligned in that little diamond formation. You were kind of uh, the point on the diamond, and then another time you got inside the, into the slot. Were you kind of kind of directing traffic out there because you knew you could get the matchups you wanted? Um, really, no, it wasn't really in a sense like that. But I, I didn't. I knew I, like my team needed me a lot. You know, I knew we needed to pick up the pace and execute at a high level. So I just wanted to get everybody lined up the way that we needed to and just get this ball moving. So I asked uh, Logan about this, but you come out, I mean, you, you get the touchdown drive. Defense does such a tremendous job getting the three and out. You're back out on the field. You got 78 yards to go. What's that huddle like on the sideline before you take that uh, take the field? Just leave it all on the field. Everything we do, man, like that last drive was just about leaving, like leaving every last piece that we had within our tank left. Just leave it all out here tonight. And, and what we did, you know, we left it all out here and we ended up coming out with the W. You know, DT, we uh, we just told Logan this, but th- this is the first road Power 5 victory for Utah State mm-hmm. since 1971, 50 years. Um, so, you know, take us back to where you were in, this, in, in the wintertime, jumped into the portal. Coach Anderson gets you to come back to what – how does this feel tonight compared to where you were a year ago? I'm lost for words, honestly. Uh, you know, ever since I got here, you know, we every, every time we played a Power 5 team, we lost, you know, and – this one just right here is special to me. You know, Coach Anderson, like, whenever he asked me to come back uh, in the winter, you know, at first I was unsure about it, but, you know, I, I, I knew that this was home and I knew that this was going to be a special team. Just listening to the sincerity in uh, Coach Anderson's voice, you know, and I, I believed in him. I believed every last word he told me, and, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't failed me on his word. You guys, uh, you went for 439 yards tonight. You guys did a great job offensively kind of controlling, especially in the fourth quarter, running the football. How about those guys up front? Oh, yeah, a lot of big guys up front, man. They do. And without them, we can't get the play started, you know what I mean? So uh, just really it, it begins with them. We can't get the ball from Logan if they, don't, if they can't hold the protection, you know. So I give every last, of, every last bit of my respect to the guys up front. TT, you're the man. It was a crazy end of the season last year. You guys circle the wagons. You come back and get a huge win in game one. Sorry, you got 11 more games after this, but this one's pretty sweet. Yeah, this one's special for sure, man. I'm just excited to uh, play with this team and just keep on winning some more games. Keep it rolling, DT. Devin, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. All right, there's Logan Bonner and Devin Tompkins. Now, here's the head coach, Blake Anderson, picking up a win in his debut. First time that's happened for an Aggie coach in 48 years, and that was eight coaches ago. Here's Blake Anderson. Well, we were going to let Blake Anderson do it from the cell phone in the locker room, but <laughs> when a win like that, the first P5 victory on the road for Utah State since 1971, uh, we, we, we got to get you on the mic, Coach. Congratulations. What a hell of a victory tonight. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. And, uh, yeah, coming back out here under the lights, I was hoping the scoreboard was still lit up, but I guess it's not. <laughs> they wanted uh, to shut that off pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Man, when kids did everything we asked them to do. Didn't play our best football. That's what's crazy. Turnovers and some mistakes that gave up a couple big explosive plays defensively. But, man, they just kept fighting, kept playing hard. And in fourth quarter, we had more gas in the tank than they did. And that was the formula all along. Get it to a fourth quarter game and let our conditioning and the way we do things take over. And I really think that was the biggest factor. Coach Jackson and strength staff 
deserve a huge amount of credit for what they've uh, what they've built with our guys. You know, Coach, we talked about it to you and I and Scotty this morning about, uh, you know, pounding it, sticking with it. And, and even when you're down 23-11 in the fourth quarter, I mean, you're running it on third and six and getting a first down, third and four and getting a first down. I mean, you stuck with it, and your guys up front got a push, and your running backs ran with a lot of effort. Yeah, I got to be proud of that group. Oh, absolutely. You know, we did. I told you, it may be tough to run against them early. Some of the runs were three and four yards. Those suckers were six, seven, eight yards late. A couple of them popped. Uh you know, that's really, we sold our kids on that all week. Really, we've been selling them on that since January, since we got here. The way we work you, the way we practice, the scheme, the offseason, the running, the running, the running, the running, and the lifting, that it's, uh, it, it's, you know, there's a method to the madness. And you saw as the game went on and on, they had to play a lot more guys up front. Our old line was still fresh. Our running backs were still fresh. And those holes started getting bigger and bigger, and it allowed us to stay ahead of the chains, run the ball in some probably some areas that typically you would think was, you know, a heavy, heavy pass situation, but uh, but we were able to we were able to put the ball you know where we needed it to, and, and you know it, it won the game late for us. I'm always curious to know in those situations your defense gets a stop, and I want to talk about them here in a bit. But when you have those guys huddled over, it's you know, a drive with three minutes left, 78 yards, a touchdown wins the ball game. What do you say to your team on the sideline before something like that? You know, hey, nothing changes. Same old stuff. Just go just go do the little things right. Nobody needs to make a superhuman play. Nobody's got to do anything crazy. Protect the ball. Do what we do every day. And, and you know, we're going to go win this game. Let's go win it. I, I, I never, never saw anybody's eyes look any different than, Coach, we got it. I mean, I think we may have just lost our microphone. I'm not sure, but no, we got still, We still got you. Okay, uh, just do what we do every day. Don't don't get outside of that. That's that's where you get in trouble. Where guys try to do something different. Where guys try to do something extra. Just do your job the way we teach you every day with great effort. And and that was the you know that was the missing piece right there. Late, just calm and collected. Go down and get it done. And coach, it was the first time all game long that you stuck with Bonner in back-to-back possessions. Is that an experience factor? What was your Absolutely. Yeah. Just uh you know, Pisa done a great job all night, but you know, we just made a decision tucking on the headset. Just he he was playing well. He's been in that situation a ton. You know, you, you can't you can't discredit the amount of games in the environments in the stadiums with loud I mean, we just we just went with the experience and Peasley handled it perfectly and Bonner went out and did what we what we needed him to do what I expected he would do he connected the dots to the right guys he moved the change with his feet a few times and uh, he stayed calm and, and and that's really in that situation what you need the most your defense kept you in the game in the first half after the couple of turnovers mm-hmm. I thought they were great holding the field goals and then uh, you know they give up some points in the third quarter but when you need that three and out you need to get that ball back on the offense. You got it from that defense, and uh, I thought they were just tremendous, especially in that stretch. Yeah, you're right. Early, making them, you know, forcing kick, uh, those guys to kick field goals, especially after the turnovers, was huge. And, and it, you know, it shows on the scoreboard late. If we give up touchdowns, this is a completely different game. We got out of gap a couple times. We lost contain a couple times. It gave up explosives that we're going to be frustrated with when we watch tape. But when you had to have it to go three and out and get the ball right back to our offense, there's not a better series all night than that one. And, I mean, guys, guys tackled really, really well all night long. I think that was a key. You know, we, we did 
like I said, we lost contain a couple times. We, we had a couple mechanical mistakes where we weren't where we were supposed to be, but we did tackle really, really well all night. We made it difficult for them to get the extra yards, and I think that's probably a big key to the victory as well uh, because we just we were making them struggle. We were making them struggle. You know, Coach, I'm looking at the fourth quarter, and uh, you outgained – well, you outscored them 15-3. to three. You outgained them 141-38. to 38. Uh, Time of possession was nine, almost 10-5. to five. Uh, you, you talked about Coach Jackson, but the kids had to buy into that as well. And it just felt like you were the stronger team down the stretch, and that was one of the keys. We, we wondered if we'd be strong enough on the front seven, uh, the offensive line, but you were amazing to watch. Well – we, uh, we had that very conversation. We've had it all week long, and we had it again today. The formula was to get it to the fourth quarter and continue to believe, outwork them, outrun them, outhit them. We will have energy in our tank, and they won't. And you saw evidence of that tonight in the fourth quarter. It was a little bit bigger gap than we wanted it to be. We wanted it to just be a one-score game. We felt like we were in a one-score game in the fourth quarter. We'd be able to you know, overcome that. Uh, you know, to be able to, to to get rid of two scores, that's not really how you want to draw it up. But but our kids never wavered. They did believe. They worked hard to get to this point. They earned it, every bit of it, with how they prepared and how we practice. And I mean, there's nothing there's nothing fun about the way we prepare. It is grueling, but it paid off tonight in the fourth quarter when we needed it most. Well, you know, the fun part is you got 11 more of these left. <laughs> you, you can celebrate this one, but you got to go back to work pretty quick. Yeah, no doubt. With a Friday night game there at home, I hope the place is rocking. Oh, yeah. Hopefully the people there appreciate what these guys are doing. This is just one, hopefully, of many. It's the first step. Um, but it's going to be sweet getting home tonight. Late, late night plane flights are always better after a W. Well, hey, uh, tell Scotty we're hurrying as fast as we can. Uh, uh, we'll get packed up and get down there as fast as we can. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, thanks, thanks coach. Appreciate it. There's Utah State Blake. Utah State coach Blake Anderson. A, just a massive win for the Aggies at Washington State. Now they come home for North Dakota, a team out of the Missouri Valley Conference that, uh, that uh, routed Idaho State uh, in their season opener. So it ought to be a win for Utah State. You wouldn't think you'd give it back. They ought to be 2-0. and as they face Air Force in their conference opener. So, big deal for the Aggies. Good win. And we'll talk to Blake Anderson later this morning in the 9 o'clock hour. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will hear from the Cougars. Jaron Hall, the quarterback, Tyler Algier, 94 yards rushing, and head coach Kalani Sataki. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Stay with us. Coming up, we are going to hear from the Utes and from the Cougars. Samson Nakua is going to join us at 7 o'clock to talk about the win against Arizona in Las Vegas. And then we'll hear from the Utes' Nick Ford coming up at 7.30. What is trending on Mondays during college football moving to 8 o'clock thanks to uh, 
name, image, and likeness money now being available and players making weekly appearances. All right, before we get to all of that, though, let's get to the Cougars and what they had to say in Las Vegas. PK was there for all the post-game interviews. We'll start off with Raya Ledetow and Tyler Algier. Algier running for 94 yards. Here they are. Yeah, so defense did really good. Uh, nah, actually, say that back. There's a lot of things we can fix. Um, open field tackling probably is one that we can work on. Um, I'm proud of the young D linemen that came in and played their roles, and they didn't back down. Some of them had some nerves, but everyone uh, started to shape up. And yeah, we we have some things to fix for next week, and we're gonna come out swinging for sure again. Um, we just got to stay calm and make sure that we keep up the energy. Um, one thing I really like that uh, our coaches talk about is controlling what we control, our 111th. And we were just reminding our defense, like, hey, guys, no matter what happens on the other side of the ball, make sure we're all doing our assignments, especially in those specific situations. Um, they did catch a couple of momentum, like, with that one. That was a great point that, that just pinned us. And props to them. They did amazing on uh, both sides of the ball, but we just need to do our best to stay active and dialed in the whole time. Yeah, so I think honestly, it was just like little first game, first game jitters. You saw it all around the country, you know. But I think we did a great job in just. Uh, Literally bringing it, bringing it back, you know, bringing the juice, you know, get everything down, getting those jitters out, and, you know, and just uh, working it all out. One of those moments where they were trying to come back, they were, they were driving, I think it was to try to tie it up, it was in the second half, and their crowd started getting into it, mm. kind of momentum. Yeah. And then your crowd switched it up. You're smiling, so yeah. I think you know the moment I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh man, Cougar Nation was killing it tonight, bro. Especially on the defense. That I was like, oh, they want to shout, they want to call us out, boy. What's up? Let's go, Cougar Nation! And we just went crazy. I, I, we, I think we got a. Uh, if I remember the thing right, we got a red zone stop on that one, and that they missed the field goal. Yep, that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, exactly. Bro, our whole defense was just feeding off it. I kid you not, I was gasping for air. But when that happened, bro. We feel it. Thank you so much, Cougar Nation. That was just dope. That was dope. A few questions for Tyler, and we'll be done. Tyler, offensively, 24 points. You get the win, 24 points. What do you, you know, obviously things you want to fix and clean up. What needs to happen for the offense to click more regularly? Because you have basically three really good drives in the field goal drive. So. Yeah, so I think... Um, I think like like shoot we started we started pretty slow but you know I I I give the credit to Arizona's defense they literally they literally came out and played and played you know everyone was saying oh they're bad because of the season that they had last year but honestly I didn't see that at all you know they really played and all give the credit to their coaches and all their de- and the defensive staff and everything and all the players because literally they they came out and you know it was literally who wants it more and I think we came out with the win and grateful for that so you know obviously we got Utah next week and um, literally just learn from this learn from this film obviously there's everything that we can get better at you know so you know we'll just take this dub and go on. How, how, how big was Neil's performance? 
Yeah, he made a bunch of good plays. He made a bunch of good plays, you know, so uh, I think he for sure had a lot in the momentum change and multiplying whatever things weren't going down and then ended up having that touchdown and a lot of other great plays. So, you know, I think that had a lot of momentum. But, you know, the defense literally had our back and we had their back whenever they helped us out. So, you know, it was a great team win. And obviously we can get, like I said, we, we can literally take the film, take the film and learn from it for next week. Yeah. Yeah, so honestly, it's just literally a lot of communication, seeing, seeing what works, seeing what literally what we're seeing, talking to the O-line and just getting that relationship and, and that communication right there and then literally just trying to change it up, change it up, see what they're doing, see what works, see what doesn't work. You know, it's literally like a was it, trial and error type thing, so, you know, yeah. Let me say that again. I would say, uh, shoot, for me personally, I have a couple things to do to literally fix up, fix up, and then as a team, I just think, just obviously we weren't as crisp as everyone says we should be, so I think that that's probably a big thing. So you know, obviously we want to be more crisp and literally just learn from learn from the mistakes that we did. So. It felt like a home game today. Yeah, <laughs> Cougar Nation was going off. It was fun. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. Just seeing a lot of blue, seeing a lot of blue, and it literally felt like a rivalry game right then and there. Really. Yeah. So you know, just grateful for Cougar Nation and literally and the other team for literally putting this together and playing us. So I want to yeah. see Lavelle Edwards Stadium packed. Uh, I want to see it packed next week. Let's get it packed. Yeah, it should be lit. So just getting ready for next week. All right, a couple more BYU players after the win. Here's Jaron Hall along with Keenan Peely. How do you analyze your first game this year? I think it was just a clean football game overall from the offense. You know, I think we executed well. Um, just kind of took the plays when, or the, the plays in front of us when they came, the opportunities the defense gave us, and you know, just kind of dink and dunked a little bit. But you know, we'll we'll improve as we go each and every week. But today was just clean overall football, and you know, we took care of the ball. So can't ask for much more. No, no, I, I just think, you know, the defense came ready to play. You know, there are a lot of question marks about what type of, you know, team they'll be. They're well coached and they wanted to win. So the defense came out with a, a great scheme and, you know, we just didn't make plays to, to start out. Um, but the second we figured it out and just started rolling it, you know, it all started to, to pan out. What's it like when Coach Hulls says go for it, fourth and five from the 45? That's, that's a bit of a high risk, high reward play. Like, uh, she feels confidence in us as players. You know, Kalani's all about us. He trusts us, and you know, we, we practice those situations every week. You know, so first down, fourth down, we'll have plays ready, and you know, we'll execute. Jared, what'd you make of the, the contributions that Neil made both of those two touchdowns? Oh, that's a vet doing his thing, man. I mean, I think that's part of the reason that their defense started to change a little bit. They played a lot of man to start, and you know, Neil went out and did his thing, and you know, kind of made him go back to his own for the rest of the game. So. Neil made plays like we knew he would, and you know that's that's just the player he is. What was said on the sideline after Arizona tied up the single digits that you guys 
It's football, man. You know, the other team's going to score, so we just kept everybody up, confidence, you know, had the defense back, and, you know, proceed to play the game we need to play. <clears throat> Yeah, can you repeat that? Sorry about that. I was... How did that change the momentum of the game? It seemed like that was the play where it would be kind of flipped along the second half. Yeah, um, obviously, no one wants to give up a safety. We're putting a hard situation on the one yard line. Um, I think we'll take that on the defense. We need to be able to stop the offense sooner so it doesn't get put in that situation. But the momentum on the sideline didn't change too much. Everyone said, put your heads up, and we're going to get back into this. <laughs> Overall, I think the defense did good. I think we had the effort. Uh, the intensity was there. Definitely got a lot of stuff we can improve, can uh, smooth some edges. But uh, I'm proud of the defense. What are some of those things you think you can improve? Um, I think tackling. You know, Arizona was dump, dumping off check downs, you know, and we got to rally up. We got to be ready to make those open field tackles. And get those assignments in. Now, how did you guys get your thoughts back together and get into the game after Keenan got? Oh, I think it really just brought everyone together. Obviously, you never want to see a player like that and uh, a teammate we care for and we love. And to see him like that kind of hurts. But then, kind of rallied together. We got each, got each other's shoulders, and uh, we said, "Let's do this for him. Let's do it for our brothers." My turn. It was fun. I mean, I said it before, we have the greatest, you know, fans <clears throat> in the world. And to be in this environment here, the new Raiders stadium, to be in an NFL stadium, you know, to look forward to the future is what every kid dreams of, you know, playing an NFL stadium. So to be here with our brothers and our coaches and the fans was, it was surreal. And, and we're just happy to, to get out of here the way we did. Would you say those fans were part of what helped you guys be able to overcome Arizona's rally? Absolutely. Contagious for sure. Yeah, it just depends. You know, we have so much scheme, so much play calls, and that's just kind of where they caught us was in those those shorter routes, which we're willing to give up and rally up. Career high in tackles for you. you know, why do you think you're able to be so successful against everyone? Just doing the one eleventh. I'd have zero tackles if it wasn't for the the D line. Obviously, everyone's been talking about them, and I'm I'm proud of our D line. I think they did good tonight, and um, really that's because of them doing their job and our other defenders behind us doing their job, for sure. Who was the the reins behind the the turnover belt that Aiden got? <laughs> Who is uh, Billy? Probably. Probably yeah. Probably no. Actually, I think it's Jack. Was it Jack? Or Jack? I think it is. <laughs> Some Jack would do. For sure. <laughs> a few more questions for Jared too, and then we'll get Coach going. We'll excuse the Jared, just on the, on the fans, a lot of fans came out to support you guys tonight, and then you guys are expected to have uh, packed house the next weekend. What's it going to be like having those fans back in? 
It's a blessing, man. It's, it's fun football. It's, that's what makes college football the environment it is. That's what you know makes people gravitate towards watching it on Saturdays. It's just an amazing environment, and you know we're looking forward to playing that game next Saturday. Jaron Zach was able to be here for the game. What does that mean to you? I know you guys have played together for a long time. So yeah, it just shows a guy who's bought in. You know, everyone who comes to this program, I think, buys in and really knows the family atmosphere that that it provides. You know, so Zach being here to support. You know, the guys he played with for, for three years, you know, means a lot to us to, to have him and, you know, brings confidence to everybody, you know, for what he's done in the past. So it was, it was good to have him. Keenan, Arizona was 3-3 on fourth down conversion. Mm -hmm. Two of those came on fourth and one. What are you guys going to have to do differently to be able to stop those sorts of plays? We'll definitely help hit the film room, see where the miscue was on those fourth and shorts, and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll see if we can get those numbers right. There's Jaron Hall and Keenan Peely. Now it's time to hear from the head coach, Kalani Sataki, who, man, he can't play Arizona enough. I mean, this is his sixth year, and he's now 3-0 and against Arizona. A two-point win the first time, then a five-point win, then an eight-point win. Schedule him again, Kalani. Win by 11, right? All right, here's Kalani Sataki after BYU picks up the victory. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that uh, we can improve on, but um, to give a lot of credit to Arizona – their coaching staff did a great job getting their guys ready to play. They're really motivated, um, and and I think once we got things figured out, uh, they just kept fighting through it. So I was really proud of the, the the fight from our team to respond and find a way to get the win. So that 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 was a major thing. Obviously, there's a lot of places to improve on, but um, just glad we got the win, and now we can just get that one out of the way and then find a way to get improve from week one to week two. So I'll take any questions you guys have. <clears throat> yeah, I thought he made some plays. I mean, I, I look at at the um, um, he broke a long one for you know scrambled. He created some space for himself um, with his with his legs in the backfield, and um, I like the the composure, the poise that he had. Um, it's a great leader for us, you know. So I, I think that uh, you know. Obviously, he knows that there's some things that he, he, he wants to do and plays that he wants to get back. And so um, we're just going to look forward to learning as much as we can from this game and finding ways to get better. But uh, that guy that guy knows how to how to play basketball, uh, play football and how to create space. And he's, his athleticism is, um, is something that's really beneficial for our program. So uh, I, I like the way he con controls the offense and um, you know, we obviously had some guys got banged up. Um, so hopefully we can get those guys back and, and be healthy for next week. Because when Gunner went down, that caused some issues. And we had some guys that we tried out, practiced all week, and they tried the game. And then it came time to make a decision on what was best for the young men. I'm talking about the Nakuas and Max Tooley and uh, some Jackson Kafusi. And it was just, uh, I think the decision was to just keep them out. And, um, you know, try to find a way to get them healthier for next week. So I'm glad we were able to get that done. But um, I think um, you know, hopefully we can get all, all those those weapons back for Jaron to use on, on offense and get some more weapons back on defense and create more depth for us on, uh, as a team and as a whole. That was huge. Hayden coming in, I mean, we... The, the the major issue is we we had to defend a lot of snaps. Uh, look here, they had 83 plays, you know, and uh, that's that's our own doing on defense. We've got to find a way to get off the field, and 
Uh, they had they went for it on fourth down quite a bit, and they went for it on. I mean, had third and short, so we got to create uh, longer third downs and try to get get some disrupt, disruptive plays. But um, the guys played hard. I'm glad Hayden came in, and uh, we rotated our defense quite a bit because of the amount of reps and the long drives that were going on. And we have a lot of faith in, in Hayden being able to control the, the you know the defensive backfield. So that was huge for us. Um, I don't know how many times they took shots downfield, but I think we were in pretty good position most of the time. Uh, I declined the penalty. I mean, if I look back at it, I declined the penalty. I thought, okay, I was hoping that maybe they try to go for it or um, that it would be a difficult punt. Nobody wants to practice really those 30-yard punts, you know, and they, he actually, the punter kicked a good ball and, and, and it, it took a weird hop and got us on the one-yard line. And, you know, that that kind of puts ourselves in a bad spot. I think we're, the score was 21-3 to three at the time. And then um, the one-yard line, I thought, you know, Maybe the offense could get us out of, I mean, out of that that uh, bad field position. But um, credit to Arizona, they made some plays and, and um, you know, got the safety. The hard part about that is that you get a safety and then you also have to kick off from the 20. And so they got a good return. And so they, it just seemed like they started to get some, gain some momentum. Then they scored and got the two-point conversion. And then now everything's kind of flipped, you know. So we had to find a way to... to React, and I like the way our guys fought through and eventually won the game for us. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think they they changed up, had some change of tempo things, and and um, we were prepared for a lot of it. But there, there's just so much going on that. Uh, defense, offense, and we're trying to figure out that, what they're doing. And um, a lot of it, there's some new things, but most of it was kind of true to what we saw on film and what we try to prepare for. And uh, I think the biggest swing in the game was that that whole series from the um, the punt to the one yard line, the safety, and then the you know the, the next following series. So uh, I, I still feel like we we could have got ourselves in a better position to. You know, score more points on offense. I mean, they had way more plays than we did. If I was really, if I'm gonna talk about our defense, I, I like the way they handled most of the run game. Um, Keenan said it himself, we, we had to tackle better, you know. But um, I think that's that's going to be something we'll try to emphasize. But we had a lot of guys in there and um, tired bodies, and just trying to have to find ways to react to the check down and. We change up some play calls. You guys saw some blitzes in there, so I don't have to hear about the complaining that we never blitz. So, yeah, so we, you know, we were able to change some things up, and I like the way um, Tuyaki prepared the defense. I think it was, for the most part, you know, it was a little bit bent. We we bend a lot because of the the yards, the passing yards especially, but gotta find ways to keep being disruptive with our pass rush, and I think. Um, getting like Batty and all those guys back, and getting kind of getting this game under their, you know, their belt would be. It, I think it was going to be. It's going to be good for us. We'll see from week one to week two. But I, I think a lot of coaches will say the biggest improvement happens in the season from week one to week two, and this is a good time for us to improve and get better. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know Jake wasn't able to go to today as well. You know, so we, we we were still working with him on 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 some things and some injury. We we were hoping that he'd be able to to, to kick for us. He he did this week and just wasn't feeling right today. So uh, we were lucky that that Justin was able to step in and do that. And um, we have a lot of confidence in him. And and he you know I think the first PAT was just kind of an odd thing that. I'm not sure what happened, but there's a movement up front, and it caused a, a little bit of a lack of focus from our snap to our hold, and and then there, you know we had that mistake. So I'm glad that we got that fixed later on, and we were able to go for a two-point conversion and get the points back up. Yeah, that, that was scary. It was scary because he was um, trying to. In those moments, you're trying to just hope for, um, you know, you just hope for the best, even in that situation. And we just weren't seeing a lot of improvement right away. And then he started to come to, and, and, and we were relieved that he was moving his, his arms and his legs. And he just kept wanting to get up, you know. And then he would, it was just, a, it was a scary moment. I think I, I just give a lot of credit to our athletic training um, group, sports medicine. They were there, and they, they did a good job trying to convince him that he could could control him a little bit, you know, and um, from what we know, he, they're going to still hold him and run some tests just to make sure. But we, it looks like everything's improving and, and he's moving his arms and his legs. So that's a good sign for us. But that was hard. I mean, that, that's nobody likes to see that. I, it was hard for us, but it was also hard for Arizona. That's that's the scary part of the game when, when someone goes down like that. It, it just it just kind of because there's so much time in, that took place in that, in that there was a lapse in the game. and. And we just had to kind of get back after it on on both sides. Gunner got banged up. Lopa came back in and played. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Yeah, Gunner didn't come back and play, so we're going to evaluate that. And then um, we feel really good about the Nakua's for next week. You know, Samson went back in there and got the on on our hands team. You know, so. I, uh, that was we're we're lucky that he's you know he's aware and, and knows where he's supposed to be and and lucky that he helped win the game for us and so we're hoping to get those guys back 100 percent for next weekend there's the head coach kalani sataki after byu wins in las vegas they beat arizona and they start off one and oh and come home now for a couple more couple more Pac-12 games. Stay in the Pac-12 South. They've got the Utes and the rivalry game Saturday, and then ASU the week after that. It'll be interesting to see how much they improve. It'll be interesting to see how healthy they were. They were missing a bunch of wide receivers. You think Samson Nakua made some big plays for the Utes. He ought to be able to make big plays in the pass game for the Cougars. We didn't get to see that. We didn't see uh, his brother Puka at all. We saw Gunnar Romney briefly. He was one of three Cougars who got hurt in the first half of the first quarter. They had guys going down left and right. Um, so we'll see what happens with Gunnar Romney. Um, all right, we'll take a break now. When we come back, we're going to get more. Samson Nakua will join us coming up next. And then after that, Nick Ford, Utes offensive lineman. We're talking Utes and Cougars next, getting you ready for the rivalry game. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll be talking with Samson Nakua in just a few moments. PK, you were there. You saw the blue wave come crashing down in Las Vegas. Cougar fans everywhere. 
And then BYU won the opener, as they were supposed to do. 24-16. What'd you see that we couldn't see on TV? What do you know that we don't know? You were tweeting out some stuff. I'm like, PK's on the road talking to people. That's where you get them relaxed, and they start yakking. Well, I think I think at BYU felt that the Arizona defense was much better than they originally anticipated, and I was told transfer portal can really make a difference. You you can influ- infuse a whole set of new talent that you know you look at it from what they were to what they are, and I think the BYU coaches felt like there's a significant difference from there where it was to where it is. And so they wanted to to law, well, I guess basically give credit to Arizona from the defensive perspective. You know, they didn't do a whole, well, it, it, I want to say they didn't hold, do a whole lot of offensively. I mean, they threw for 300 and some yards, right? What was the final total? Gunner Cruz threw for uh, 34 of 45, which yeah. is a good, good per- completion percentage right. for 336 yards. Right. That, so that's a decent amount of yardage, but there was only one touchdown. They moved the ball up and down the field, but they missed two field goals and threw a pick in the end zone. Arizona, yeah. they left points on the field in a big, big way. Oh, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those two field goals, I mean, you just who knows how that would have changed the complexion of the game. You can't just say, well, add six points, and obviously it doesn't change the outcome. Right. Uh, but they, I, I got to give Jed Fish credit, and that the, the opportunity there to show some stuff was there, and they needed to have themselves a much better performance from when they last took the field, and which was probably without <laughs> well, going over the top, saying is literally the worst effort by an Arizona football team ever. That's not an outrageous thing to say because it was horrific, and yeah. they competed in this game. It was twenty-one three, and they could have rolled over. I think we were all watching, anticipating, are they about to roll over? Is this about to get ugly? Because obviously, with the three injuries, and one of them clearly was much scarier than the other two, but it took the air out of the building. They were talking about it on TV. You could see it in the crowd shots. You know, people just couldn't be up and going crazy, and it's the opener, and people were sitting on their hands. So there's just no momentum, and, and BYU starts playing their way back into the game. And when they score early in the third there, and it's 21-3, you're thinking, is Arizona going to have anything? Or is BYU just going to blow them off the field? And credit for the, Wild, credit the Wildcats for competing, because it could have gone, it probably wouldn't have gone to 70 points because it was late enough in the game, but it could have ended up looking a lot like that Arizona State game. It could have been really embarrassing. And they fought uh, back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, but 21-3 to when they got there, it was well in the second half, though. Right, but if it ends so. up 35-3 to or 42-3, to that's embarrassing. It's not uh, seventy to seven. I'll give you, but you got to do something here, and they did. Yeah. So, in talking with BYU folks, it was about uh, Arizona's defense being better than anticipated with the transfers that had come into the program. So, we'll see what Arizona does to go forward. You know, have they have this opportunity to win some games? They've got one San Diego State and then NAU. So, who's to say they're not two and one? Maybe they're a lot better than we anticipated. Yep. All right, it's time to welcome in Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in a drought. Smart Rain will help you and your commercial property save money, save water. Give the folks a call at Smart Rain. Samson, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Happy Monday. <laughs> it sounds like you are just barely. <laughs> <laughs> 
just a little bit, just a little bit. Long weekend after a win like that, celebrating hard. There you go. So I'm I'm curious before we get into some of the uh, some of the details of the game, and we got we got plenty to get to you. Uh, it's a different team. It's a different coach. It's different guys. Maybe a different way of doing things. How different was the game day experience? Um. I try to make it as similar as possible to my normal day routine of life. Uh, but I try not to do anything too crazy. Um, um, and I think they ran it uh, pretty smoothly and pretty similar to Coach Whittingham and up at the U of everyone just, uh, you know, just trying to focus in and lock into the game and uh, set aside any distractions. Um, tell your family you love them early and throughout the day and, you know, just um, try to relax and, you know, keep calm the nerves and, uh, just be prepared mentally and uh, and uh, just uh, you know just stay ready for the whole game day. And uh, I think they did a really good job on uh, preparing us for uh, game day. So, Kalani Sataki said afterward that the Nakua brothers should be ready to go this week. You didn't play. Well, you got in and, and recovered the onside kick. So, I mean, it's clear, <laughs> it's clear, Samson. Without your ability to cover that onside kick, it could have made all the difference in the world. But you, so I'm, I'm basically saying you won the game for BYU by covering that error, that onside kick. But your coach said you thought that he thought the two of you guys would be back this week against Utah. Is that your line of thinking? Um, yes, um, for sure. Me and Puka are feeling good. Um, we're, we're just here to help the team in any way possible. And uh, um, we were sad that we weren't able to be, make it out on the field this past weekend. But, you know, we're working hard. We've been doing a lot of rehab and streaming. And uh, we're feeling good this weekend. And uh, today's our first day of practice. And uh, so, you know, we're just going to get rolling today and see how we're feeling and uh, what's the moving game plan for this week. So I'm curious the impact the injury had on the game uh, early on, and we know how the fans felt about it, and it seems like there is some good news, but it seemed like that changed everything you would think about a season opener, watching a teammate on the field for 17 minutes. Sorry, I'm going to need you to repeat that. <laughs> uh, just watching that game, the uh, you know the normal pomp and circumstance and energy of a season opener, and then you have a teammate go down with – what looks like a really serious injury, apparently it's not nearly that bad, but a 17-minute stop in the game, that was, uh, that was hard to watch. They actually on TV cut away to the studio show. I'm just wondering about your interaction with your teammates during that. Um, it was scary, honestly, um, to, see, uh, to see Keenan go down like that. Um, I was right there on the sideline, uh, honestly, right there watching him play right next to Keenan, um, and um, to see him uh, go down, it was honestly one of the scariest moments um, for everybody on the team. Um, Kwame was able to pull it together and uh, had one of our teammates say a prayer. Um, and um, I think it just made everyone realize, like, this game, uh, you can't take for granted. Um, this game is uh, unforgiving, and um, it could... Uh, it could uh, end at any time, and we just don't know. And uh, we just gotta, we gotta play like it's the last time we could ever play. And um, we're just thankful to see that Keenan's doing a lot better, and uh, um, we were able to rally together and uh, get our minds right, you know, and and uh, pull out the win for Keenan. And uh, it, it was scary, but Kalani kept us updated, and uh, we're just happy to have him and um, him have no, no serious injuries. How much improvement do you expect from the offense from game one to game two? 
um, I expect it to just be more, uh, more clean, more, more flowing, um, more, uh, better execution this next week. Um, last week we did, we did uh, pretty good, but, um, I know we can do better and, um, I know we, um, we have a lot to fix up, but we'll be good. Uh, today's the first day of, you know, just getting things right and getting things flowing and, uh, we're ready. What, what's the number one thing you'd like to see, uh, fixed and changed and improved? Um, I think there's just little assignments cleaning up in, uh, the details and, um, the little details. Um, it, our coaches always talk about it, the little details that will win us a game that, that separates us from being good and great. And, um, it's just a little, a little picking up assignment, uh, a little picking up block assignments, um, details in our route running details and, um, our alignment of running, uh, of where we are aligned in the play, um, I think it's just a little thing, honestly. We did get in the big plays, um, players uh, that we needed to make plays, make plays, and it, it's going to be fun this week, honestly. It's just a little detail that's going to separate uh, who's going to win this game. So you were with the Utes, obviously, for a number of years, and this is a rivalry game. Some people with Utah, not I don't know about the players or the coaches, but fans, they want to downplay the rivalry. From your perspective when you're with the Utes, how big was the BYU game? Oh my goodness! It was. It wasn't the main focus of Utah, but when the game came around, um, we were locked into them. Definitely no distractions. We had the whole football facility over there lit up. Uh, every every TV screen over there is uh, playing old old football games of Utah beating the crap out of BYU and stuff. So. It's pretty intense over there, honestly. Uh, we don't mention the name over there. It's a team down south. Um, it, it gets intense over there, honestly. So Kyle will play it off and try to talk about BYU with never, ever using the letters BYU or the word Cougars. When he speaks to the team the week of that game, how fired up is he and what kind of stuff does he say? Um, he's pretty fired up. Um there's not much to say. I think he takes almost every game pretty seriously. Um, but this one, he, he takes a little bit more to heart because the in-state rivalry. Um, he just he left talking. Uh, let um, Utah know that they're the bigger brother. Um, that they're the bigger brother of the state, and that they they're going to keep it that way. And um, he just loves to be the top dog in the state, and he just reminds everyone over there that, that they are, and uh, just keeps it in their head and. Uh, just engraves it in, into everybody's hearts that they're the best in state. <laughs> you going to tell your guys about this to make sure they're fired up to meet the challenge because obviously you've changed colors now, so to speak. Uh, hopefully I don't have to get anyone fired up. Hopefully they know that this game is, is like any other game. It's, just, it's as important as any other game. Um, we come here to – for an undefeated season, and uh, we, we can't do that without winning this game and taking this game seriously. So I know these guys are pumped up just as much as me, maybe not as much as me, maybe, but I need them to be because, you know, this game means a lot to everybody around this uh, state, honestly, so it's time to make things happen. So it's unusual to change sides in the rivalry, but you also have an unusual personal, you know, reason that was part of why you did it, and guys understand that. So, are your former teammates leaving your phone alone, or are they blowing it up and uh, coming after you? 
Um, it's been a little bit of both. Uh, me, we talk a little smack uh, back and forth, uh, but most of the time we're always just checking up on each other, me and my old teammates. Um, those guys were my brothers for four to five years, and uh, I wouldn't change a thing of being over there. And um, So, yeah, we talk a little bit, chatting back and forth, but you know, we're always just checking up, making sure everyone's good, making sure everyone's living life and uh, is happy. And um, It's been good. It, it, it's been fun, honestly. We talk a little smack, but nothing too crazy. I think that you being an in-state guy, you grew up, obviously, with the BYU-Utah game being forefront on the mind of uh, what people want to do in terms of having fun and the trash talk and all that stuff. How long does it take an out-of-state guy to understand the level of the importance of the game? I don't think they... I think as soon as they step into the state of Utah, they, they feel the rivalry. They hear about the rivalry. Like, the Holy War is... Actually, the Holy War is one of the biggest rivalries in the in the country, in the in the states right now. So I'm pretty sure even them not even being part of the church or not even being from Utah, they've heard about it. And um, especially when they get here, they know. They can feel it. They can... Everyone's in their ear about it. And they just have to join in. It's either you... Uh, you join in, or you're part of it. You're in the way, and uh, it's been fun. <laughs> when they come out for warmups, is it different? Then can you look at guys when you're warming up, well before the game, and say it already feels different, doesn't it? You you better be ready. You know what you're in for here. Yeah, the warmups. Warmups, you can definitely feel, especially this past weekend. You could feel who was ready and who wasn't. Um, and it was a good thing. Kalani gave a great talk before the game, and I think it calmed everyone's nerve down. And uh, the guy went a little more focused in. And um, I think this week, I don't, I don't know if anyone has to say anything. If they do, I don't want them on the field with us. Um, I, I need them to have their own self motivation, and um, I need them to be ready mentally uh, and to come out and ball. Like this game is, you guys already know, this game is one of the biggest games of the year, and. Um, I just need everyone to be on their A game. <laughs> From the player perspective, going back to last year, how much more fun was it this year to have fans in the stadium because you didn't have any last year? Oh, my goodness. To be able to walk out into Legion Stadium and have a wave of blue and barely any red was just unbelievable. It felt like a home game hour in the uh, over here down in Provo and uh, it was crazy honestly um, to remember last year with no fans no, nothing it was completely dead in the stadiums and uh, just to come out there and feel that energy was just it reminds me why we love to play the game why why we're entertainers why we do this and um, it, it was just so fun to be out there and I can't wait to be out there Saturday so as a player you get to be behind the scenes is that new stadium in Las Vegas is that thing just a palace Sorry, what'd you say? You've been behind the scenes at that new stadium now. Is it as nice as everyone says? Is it a palace? Oh, my goodness. It is unbelievable over there. I can try to make my house something like that. At Legion Stadium, they did an amazing job, honestly. Do you think Arizona was maybe a little bit better than advertised? For sure they were. They were a lot better than uh, advertised, I think, honestly. Um they came out and played really hard. Their defense was a lot better than we were, uh, uh, we were expecting, obviously. Um, 
Um, but the coaches were able to stick with the game plan, adjust a little bit that half, and uh, we came out with the W just exactly as we planned. So do you think with the transfer portal, teams that are down, have long losing streaks like Arizona, don't compete at the end of the previous season like Arizona, can really turn things around quickly now? Um, I think they do. I think they can definitely turn things around. Um, you know, we always have bumps in our roads, and it's just a matter of how you can face adversity if you're willing to come back through it or, really, or you're really just going to let it take over and you're going to fall behind. Um, Arizona is a great team. Um, I don't think they should let this little loss um, set them back too much, but we never know. Well, Samson, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we're all looking forward to Saturday night. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. Go Cougs, baby. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, joins us every Monday morning right here on the Zone Sports Network. And Saturday night, Utah and BYU, the rivalry game. Sounds like the in-state guys and the transfers who don't know anything about it will be up to speed quickly, PK. Kyle's behind the scenes, as we all suspect he is, letting people know we're big brother and it needs to stay that way. Oh, the in-state game? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. You know darn well what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Don't say the letters BYU. Don't say the word Cougar. But behind the scenes, let all the players know you have to win this. Yeah, have to. Might, that might be a little bit too strong. It's it, BYU... Uh, for them, you know, they don't have the conference. Not till later on this week, by the way, there. Maybe ne- in the next week. I told you it would be soon. I mean, all these sources we can have on all the experts from the country, wherever you want to go. You can get it right here in the morning show. I told you last week that it would be much, much sooner rather than later. And I think that's where we're headed uh, in conversations over the weekend. It reinforced what I already believe. But nevertheless, for now, they're not in the league. Utah can still accomplish great things by losing the game. But the great thing about it is at least with the Whittingham situation there, having played there and his family just so intense about it, that it does mean a great, great deal. You know, maybe down the line it won't be when they go forward, although I think Morgan Scali will be the next coach, and so he'll still have it in his blood uh, going forward too. Uh, but, yeah, this is a gigantic opportunity for both teams to make an early season statement. They can still accomplish great things if whoever loses the game, and obviously there'll be a winner and loser, so it's not like your season is over by any stretch. I mean, for the Utes, theoretically, they could still go to the college football playoff, although the performance by the North uh, Division yesterday, Saturday, sort of uh, makes it more difficult because right now the Pac-12 North is an absolute joke and an embarrassment, whereas BYU, the playoff probably isn't in consideration right now we'll see what happens with the newly reconfigured big 12 and what they do with the playoff in the years to come but they can still accomplish a great deal nevertheless both teams want to win for different reasons the streak is something you want to keep going and the streak is something you want to end it's obvious so i'm curious uh, how much more you heard you heard because you did say stuff before uh 2022 2023 doesn't sound like it'd be anything later than that Uh, you're just talking about when they join the, the conference, yeah. And uh, will it be just one, or will they announce something with all the teams? Although the other teams are in leagues, and so the timeline may be a little different. Right. Uh, yeah, the AAC 
what is their is it like a year and a half or something that they have to give 27 notice? months Everything's negotiable, guys. It yeah, is. And it is. It is. Because yeah, UConn, UConn paid $17 million to make it 12 months. Okay, that's that's what it was. Uh, that's where I was getting that. Because right? there's so much information out there. And I haven't been focusing. I don't, I don't have any Big 12 sources. All my stuff is coming from local. Uh, so I'm not uh, getting stuff from out of the Big 12 where I think that all these people outside of our area, that's where they're getting stuff from the Big 12 people. Uh, indirectly or indirectly, whatever way, one way or another, that's where they're getting it. I'm not. I'm getting it emanating out of Provo. Uh, so I haven't been focused on what the other teams are doing. I mean, we know the the names of the other teams out there that's been widely reported. I don't know who's who's doing what. Well, i got to be careful because yesterday I got, inclu- I got accused of plagiarism because I copied and pasted Brett Pine's uh, text to – all the media that was at the game Saturday and some ding dong went on Twitter and and I was made of aware that I was being accused of being accused of plagiarism, which, you know, I don't respond on Twitter. But if you're going to take a shot of plagiarism at my journalistic uh, integrity, that's probably going to get me upset. You can call me a bum and this and that. And I get that stuff all the time. No problem. I'll just roll with that. I understand that uh, after all these years, if it hasn't bothered me by now, it's probably not. But you take shot at integrity. That that caused me to respond. But uh, so we know we know what we hear, and I believe all those things to be true. As far as BYU, yeah, last week I said there's a possibility of them getting into 2022. I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm not here to report that that's going to happen. That they could begin play next season because there's a lot of factors that go into it. Because BYU obviously has contractual obligations that they've got to work through. And so it's like a labyrinth of stuff that needs to get straightened out. The important thing is I believe that if they want, I don't think they've accepted it 100%, but uh, I asked somebody, I said, is it a done deal? And the response was, came back to me, you know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, although I will say, though, having gone through this before, and I've used this example plenty of times, that when I was told that they were going to go into the whack, and then less than 90 minutes later, I go to the gym, and across the screen on the bottom there, on the television, I see the teams that were leaving the whack to join the Mountain West when I had just been told that everything was set up. So at this point, you know, I'm in the category of the never say never until it literally is officially done. So maybe it could break down, but I'm, I'm going in that direction right now. Uh, and maybe there's a yeah, – I'm not – until it's literally done, you're never going to hear me say it's 100%. Because that was one weird story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shocking to me. It really was. we got to take a break. When we come back, Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, joins us next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. Ah! From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, 
Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk youth football with Nick Ford. He joins us every week here on DJ and PK, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Nick, good morning. Good morning, boss man. Nick, you know, uh, social media can be good. You can learn stuff, but I'm always wary about trying to uh, look at it and assess somebody's mood. It's really hard to do. It doesn't convey, you know, you see something typed there, but it doesn't necessarily convey tone and all that. But I saw a tweet from you after the game, uh, you basically paraphrasing, but, you know, we're going to get better. Good night, Utes. And I saw your body language after a few plays, and I thought, Nick's frustrated. Nick didn't measure up to his own standards. Nick's Going to sleep a little pissed off, quite frankly. But I wonder if, first off, was I right? And second off, you get a perspective of a few days. You have a chance to watch that film, watch other teams play their openers. Are you sitting here uh, now feeling different than you did when you went to bed the night after the game? Uh, you know, I'm, really, I'm you, could, you could ask anyone that knows me. I'm really tough on myself, so... Even if I uh, perform well in other people's eyes, I still think, you know, I got a lot to work on. So um, there's, you know, certain things that I was upset about myself personally that I knew I could improve on and I knew I could play better. And that's how it is going to be for me, you know, no matter what it is. And um, so I don't think I was necessarily pissed off in a, in a negative way. I'm more, when it comes to football, I'm more pissed off for greatness and perfection. So if it's not greatness and perfection, it's going to, you know, irritate me. And then overall as a team, you know, we did, uh, you know, uh, minor, minor mistakes and stuff. But I mean, like, that's the first uh, game of the season. That's how it always is. And uh, how Coach Witt runs the program and everything. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of improvement to be made within this week. Um, Any weaknesses that he thinks we have or any mistakes that we did have will be fixed this week. And when you think about Utah uh, football, you know, from the offensive perspective, in the first game, you had a new quarterback, you had some reshuffling on the offensive line, you had some new receivers, and then pretty much just about everybody was uh, new at running back. So when you put that in perspective, uh, how do you evaluate the performance just from the first game? And you've already spoken that you see a significant amount of improvement coming down the line as soon as this very week. Well, you know, I'm really proud of how everyone – performed this uh, past Thursday and I know that um, you know offensive line uh, we're joined together a lot of guys are really smart a lot of guys are starting to figure things out I have the utmost confidence in our quarterbacks our running backs and everyone you can see they clearly performed uh, last Thursday and you know it's all about uh, not being content with uh, where your position group is at and I don't think anyone right now is content with where we're at and we know what we're entirely capable of so um you know everyone like i said everyone's proud of how we performed but at the same time um you know we have no time to get content and we want to continue to improve off of that how much faster is the first game than the scrimmages that you guys have and how much do they let an accomplished player like yourself play in a scrimmage um you know it's it's um 
it's a lot different. It's actually kind of slower. The game games are actually kind of slow when you're actually playing. It's really weird. At least for me, everything tends to slow down. Um, and you know, like you said in the scrimmage, I've, I played a good amount. I, you know, I wanted to go play with my teammates in the scrimmages, so I played a couple drives instead of sitting out the entire time and um, going and playing a football game. I mean. I've been doing it for years, so I'm kind of used to the tempo. And like I said, for me, it kind of slows down mentally for me. And it's really weird. It's just like a different speed of time. How about that running back, Thomas, for you guys? Man, he's almost big enough to play alongside of you guys up front. I thought he looked really good. <laughs> oh, I know. We'd be joking with that boy. We'd be telling him he's a couple meals away from knee braces or Ain't no linebackers should be running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, obviously, there's uh, the transfer portal. There's a lot of players joining teams now, and fans don't know much about them, haven't seen them play, haven't seen how they express themselves after big plays, haven't seen them interviewed, don't know much about them. So wh- what, is, what is Tavian like? Is he a loud guy, a quiet guy, serious guy, the guy who cracks up the locker room? What's he like? Uh, I say he's a good mix of everything. Um, you know, we we've been blessed with the transfer portal, and everyone who came from the portal has been, you know, really open and you know bought into the team. And Tavion is one of those people, and you know, he's just he's just a cool dude. He's not going to be too loud or too quiet. I mean, he's he's he just fits in perfectly. He'll joke about certain things, not knowing not to joke, and he works at practice and. You know, he's just an overall good kid, good guy. And, I mean, you know, he's he's a funny dude when you start talking to him and getting to know him. So, I mean, you know, he doesn't he doesn't boast around anywhere, but at the same time, you know he's there. we got the rivalry game coming up this week, Nick. You know, you've got the in-state kids, the out-of-state kids, the intensity of the rivalry. Is, is this what it'd be like if Pedro ever played Mary Starr? Oh no, not Pedro on Mary Star. It's Pedro on Narbon. Mary Star couldn't keep it. Narbon. <laughs> Why well, went in the city? You wanted to go out of the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> or or Nas. It's either Narbon or uh, Banning out in Wilmington. Battle for the port. Okay, there you go. Battle for the port. That sounds good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a pirates coming to town or something. A battle for oh, the yeah. port. Oh yeah, pirates versus well, Pedro, uh, Pedro was the, the pirates. pirates. Yeah. The Pirates versus Banning is the pi- uh, the Pilots, right? And Carson's the Colts. Nar- Narbonne's yeah. the Gauchos. Narbonne's the yeah, Gauchos, the Nachos. <laughs> so I'm curious in the rivalry games you've been in, how different it is when you're finally in the middle of the game. Obviously the hype, the run-up, the way the fans interact before the game, that's all going to be different. Fans are going to be mm-hmm. different be- before a Utah-BYU game than before a Utah, you know. Oregon State game or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm curious when you get there in the second and the third quarter, and and now you've been hitting each other for 45 minutes or an hour. Does it still is it still different, or does it settle down and become football, or is there a level of trash talking that can't be replicated? What's it like? <laughs> um, I say it's a little bit mix of everything. Um, you know, the the fans on both sides, you know, take it very serious. So do the football teams, and. Um, you know there is trash talking. That's just just sport of football, and um, I think the biggest thing is to not um, 
overcomplicate it and not get too emotional because then you start to miss your assignments on a uh, football level. So for me personally, you know, I just lock in. Um, it's really hyped the entire week of and going there and seeing the fans and everything. But once that ball's in the air, I kind of, you know, snap out of that emotional state and go into, you know, just a football state, understanding my assignment, what I have to do for that play, making sure that I'm locked in and, you know, everything is just uh, functioning at a high level, especially being center because, uh, you know, and I have to talk to the rest of the offensive line and uh, making sure that the entire offense is calm. So, I mean, there is trash talking on the field. That's how it always is with football. So it always be. But, I mean, um, from an emotional standpoint, a lot of guys try to, you know, just focus on the game at that point in time so they don't miss their assignments. And then afterwards is when the emotions pick back up. How fun is it from the player perspective to go into a visiting stadium? You know there's going to be 60-some thousand people and everybody's going to be excited. So just from the basic fun of having the opportunity to play the game. Oh, it's, I mean, it's a blast. You go out there. I'm sure it's going to be loud being on offense away, you know, uh, getting towards the end zones and whatnot. And they're going to start yelling and screaming. And it, it's, it's really weird. You, you, you start to t- uh, tone out a lot of things when you start getting in those situations. And, um, you know, just the uh, environment is crazy both here in Rice Eccles and down um, at their stadium. And um, it's, it's like one of the most unmatched things in college football, in my opinion. I've been a part of a lot of football games, um, and the energy levels of Rice Eccles and down there, um, it's, it's really different. So are you the guy who likes to go out on the field as soon as possible? Some guys like to stay in the locker room and they don't go out until the assistant coaches want to get the group going before the game? Or do you like to go out and hear from the fans and uh, get after the uh, get after everything real quick? Uh, I like to go out early, walk around a little bit, get, get my bearings, get my legs warmed up, do a couple push-ups, stretch, and then, um, then we stretch as a team and go back into the locker room. And then I'm in the locker room until the uh, centers come out uh, with the quarterbacks and everyone. And by then, it's you know pretty much game time. Go out there, stay out there. Then the rest of the team comes to warm up. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both. I kind of get out there early, tuck away for a little bit, then head back out for the rest of the day. You're coming up from the L.A. area. How long did it take you to realize BYU-Utah was a big deal? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I'm long at all. I mean, um, that that's what, you know, Coach Hart, Coach Hart, uh, Harding, Coach Witt lives on. Um, you know, we don't lose to those guys. And, you know, it's it's, it's pretty much that simple. Um, that's what he, he preaches every single year, every single week, every single day. Um, and, you know, he makes it very apparent. So from for an out-of-state kid coming in, um, you start to understand it. And then, um, you know, we have a video that plays on a loop, constant loop, constant loop of the the football game between us. And then that's throughout the entire football facility for the entire week. And then on top of that, you get there to the game, whether it's down there or up here in Rice Cycles. And then you start seeing all the fans. You start hearing all the noise and everything. And you realize, okay, now these guys, these guys take that that very serious, and you know it's grown upon me. So it's not even these guys. So now it's like, 
yeah, I, me and my teammates take it very serious. So there's not really an opposing player or a play or the final score or something that happened in the first game you played in. You're locked into the rivalry before the first snap of the first rivalry game you ever play? 100%. 100%. You talk about this loop video that's playing. Is that normal for other games that you have during the course of a season? Uh, No. No, no it's not at all. They got some like rock and roll music and... You know, it just it gets you hyped, and it's he just harps and harps, harps it in, into all of us. It's part of our DNA. So I mean, you see that video every day. You walk in, and every day you leave, and I got the music blasting, and it's it's no getting away from it. You have to understand that that is you. Nick Ford joining us. He's here every week. University of Utah offensive lineman talking youth football. So when you watch uh, the BYU game Saturday night, which I assume you did, what did you see? Uh, I saw, you know, be- let me see. Let me see how I can phrase this. Um, first off, I was locked into that UCLA LSU game. That game was crazy. I backed the pack. <laughs> My boys over at UCLA handled their business. And then I flipped over to, um, you know, the, the TDS, Team Down South, flipped over to their game for a little bit. Um, my prayers go out to uh, Keenan Ellis. You know, that was, that was a rough hit. Football is a rough game. And, you know, sometimes it's more, it's more than football. I mean, I got friends down there. So, I mean, prayers go out to him. I hope he's healthy, getting better. Um, but, you know, it's, it's pretty much – the same thing as always um you know you don't ever disrespect the team or look over a team they're a team that's fully capable of doing things and we're a team that's fully capable of doing things and you know looking at them you know it's your, your typical big guys strong guys all that stuff um it should be a fun competition you know i'm not i'm not one to talk smack especially with the media <laughs> but um they uh you know they're a respectable program uh, in all honesty, um, you know, they grind. They, their players grind. Like I said, I know some of them, so I know they have the same emotions to this game. And, you know, it should be a fun game. But, I mean, if all all is well and you just handle business, you just will handle business. This obviously is a road game for you. What's it like as a player when you don't kick off until 8.30 at night, whatever it might be, sometime after 8 o'clock, you got to sit around all day. Is, is that bothersome? Would you just as soon get out on the field or you just take it in stride? Uh, it's kind of grown on me. Um, you know, it is what it is, especially Pac-12. We have later games. Um, and one thing is, like, every player in the country doesn't like it. You know, you don't want to – you don't want to wake up and then have to wait all day to do something. It's like it's like you're a little kid who got promised to go to Disneyland at three o'clock. Like you're gonna wake up at six and be agitated and like trying to go, um, you know. But our coaches do a really good job of getting us to understand that, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, could leave the forefront of our mind. The game could leave the forefront of our mind, but it can never leave the back of our mind. And that being said, we don't you know, sit there and stress over the game the entire day and hype over the game the entire day and be locked in the film the entire time, be locked in this, be locked in that. This is just going to burn you out. In all honesty, it'll burn anybody out, Um, you know. But at the same time, it doesn't mean we just completely ignore it. So, you know, the the film option is there if you want to watch film. We have our study sheets if we want to study. 
Um, you know, people talk about the game, hang out. But uh, for the most part, our coaches do a good job of, you know, giving us time to think about football and giving us time to relax. So that way, by the time we actually get to going to the game, we still have that mental and physical energy versus being tense all day. Well, Nick, we're all looking forward to the game Saturday night. It's always a big deal and a lot of fun, and good luck to you in that game. Look forward to seeing Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Yeah, it'll be fun. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, joining us every week right here on the Zone Sports Network. PK, uh, do they play, growing up in San Diego, most people played night games, but the San Diego City Schools played afternoon games. It would, would How many players in Southern California are growing up playing night games? Because I would think you at least have the 7 o'clock game as a high school kid, so you've had a little bit of experience of playing later. Although when you're a kid, you know, and you're fifth grade, seventh grade, whatever, then, you, then you're playing early in the day. So I think by the time you get to college, most players, not all of them, but most players have experience with, with having to wait all day to play the game, but also getting up and just going straight to the game. Well, David James Stigelorf III, it depends on your neighborhood. There you go. Because some neighborhoods, it was not deemed uh, safe to play night games. It was deemed safer to play at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So so what were they doing down there uh, by the harbor? Daniels Field, man. Wasn't even on the campus. It was down the street a little bit, and they had lights. Mary Starr is the local Catholic school in town. It plays at a much smaller level. Uh, than uh, the city, L.A. City section schools. So, like, when I was there, Daniels Field is where both teams would play, and they would play at night. And then Narbonne didn't have a field, didn't have lights. Banning uh, didn't have a field. Though they had a field, but they never had any games there. They'd always go play in Gardena or wherever and use their field, which had lights. My wife taught at Washington, and they I think they had lights, but they played in the afternoon because it was deemed as safer. Stuff you don't really have to consider up here <laughs> as much. And, yeah, when you know, I moved here, there were... Years, so I don't know if they changed it, but that's the way it was when I was there. Yeah, when I, uh, when I moved up here, there were still several fields that didn't have... Most had lights, but several did not. So there were still some 4 and 5 o'clock starts, but now everybody's got lights up here. Uh, the San Diego schools, when I was growing up, they had had, uh, had full-on wild, crazy brawls involving dozens and dozens of people. And so that's when they went to all 330 kicks in that school district. Um, but, you know, Keenan uh, Ellis went to Benita Vista High School where my dad taught for about a decade, and they have a field and no lights and no grandstands. They play basically across the street at the junior college, which does have lights. So depends on what you're right. depends on where you are. That's why I wondered what uh, what Nick had, had grown up with, what was – what was going on down in Pedro? Yeah, he played at Daniel Daniel's Field, and it was a, they they played all night games. Uh, back east, it was it was cool. A lot of the games were on Saturday. It's changed, and then they would play Thanksgiving morning would be the last game of the season, and it's much more community oriented. So everybody in the community would go out, and you'd play your rival Thanksgiving morning at about a ten o'clock kip, tip, kickoff. I can remember my father and I going to. Every Thanksgiving, we would go to a high school game. Well, American Fork was just down there uh, playing a Saturday game. They played uh, Junipero Serra and one going away in that thing. So there's some Saturday football down there. but Good for American Fork. Mostly, it's a Friday deal in, uh, in California. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've talked to a Ute and a Cougar. We're going to talk to the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson. He's going to join us at 9.30. Huge win, big fourth quarter for Utah State, and a dramatic win. We'll talk with him coming up at 9.30, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at LaBelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJPK brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. We just talked to Samson Nakua and Nick Ford, and they both talked about Kyle Whittingham getting fired up for this game. I think it's what we always suspected, PK. What game is that? <laughs> A certain in-state game. <clears throat> he wants it, and he wants it badly. And he's not going to sit up there at the podium in his press conferences and talk about how badly he wants it. He's going to downplay it, but he's only downplaying it because he wants it badly. That's interesting because we've been told some of the higher-ups in a football program don't want to play the game, but yet they're going to play the game, so got to win the game, and it is a big deal uh, for sure. Yeah, in, in, in some respects, it's even a bigger deal than it used to be when it was at the end of the season. Oh, I loved it at the end of the season, though. Everything built up to the drama of that game. Yeah, but sometimes you had two four and eight teams going at each other. There were or... some downer. A hundred percent. I cannot sit here and tell you anything about the two thousand two game, Ronnie Mack's last game. The place wasn't full. There was no umph. It was lousy. But those games, and there were a couple others, but those games were so outnumbered by the drama, the fantastic finishes. It was phenomenal. I was going to work and watching those games, rarely in the stadium, a few times. Usually I was anchoring on the weekend. I was, ba- But it didn't matter. It was awesome. And they've still been good early in the season. I still like it. It's still a big game. And there, there have been some great finishes. Storming the field three times. When are we going to see that again, right? I'm, I'm all for turning on a game, whatever sport, college, pro, doesn't matter, and seeing something. Man, I've never seen that before. I have never seen a crowd storm a field three times. That was awesome. I think here, given the fact that both teams are one and zero, and you know they could have played better in both games, but you can say that just about any team, any time when you could play better, so that's not that unusual. But I think here now that both teams think, hey, we can be really good. Well, mm-hmm. in order to be really good, you've got to win this game because before, when you're in the same conference, if you can win the division, the year the first the Devils have only gone to the Rose Bowl twice. The first time that they went, they actually lost to Arizona. But nobody remembers it. It didn't matter <laughs> because they went to the Rose Bowl, right? So yep. that two bitter rivals, big deal. You take that, you lose to Arizona and go to the Rose Bowl every year. Back when the Rose Bowl was the highest it thing that the you ultimate. could accomplish. Yeah, that was yeah. the ultimate. So uh, here, you know, you don't have a conference ramification now. And in a year or two, it's going to be Big 12 versus Pac-12. So we'll add even more. So I'm, I'm, I have no problem getting with the times. And, and that way, it has changed dramatically, and in a lot of ways, it's changed for the better. 
I'm excited for the game. I was thinking about this. The last time I hadn't been in the stadium, I think it was Lavelle Edwards' last game, when I was in Puerto Rico sitting on the bed on Thanksgiving Day, of all things, because I was with Utah basketball. They were playing in the Puerto Rico, whatever it was called. Uh, so here, going forward, I've been in every single game in the stadium, and I'll be there again Saturday, and it's a big, big deal, and it's a lot of fun, and that's what sports are about at its essence. It's entertainment, and it should be fun, and that's what this game provides. DJ and PK, what is trending? It's new Monday morning home because Samson Nakua and Nick Ford are highly scheduled on Monday, and that's when they can join us early in the 7 o'clock hour back-to-back. So what is trending? Coming up next... And we will get to what an awful day for the Pac-12 North. Horrific. Although, you know, I think ACC fans are shaking their head thinking, what just happened this season, too? All the college football next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag BYU. And off Algier. of this game and their first touchdown of 2021. They bring some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw. Downfield and it's caught. It's John Touchdown BYU. Out of the timeouts, going to sprint right and deliver. Inside the five. Powell lunged for the pylon. He got there. Touchdown. BYU beats Arizona 24-16. Jaron Hall with a pair of touchdown passes to Neil Pau. A-Rod sat at one of those uh, media availabilities for him and said, Pau's looked good. Didn't say he was absolutely the best receiver on the team. Want to keep that competition open, everybody pushing each other and all that stuff. But was just talking about how awesome he was and was kind of implying it. And then Pau came up big there, and also the Tyler Algier, 94 yards running the ball. That was a pretty solid performance out of him, picking up where he left off last year as well. Yeah, Algier's solid. That's a very good phrase. That's a very good word, solid, because it's exactly what it was. It's funny you bring up Pau because A-Rod, you know, when he got fired from Utah, he sat out the year, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think he might have been uh, like some, An if analyst. I remember, some unofficial advisor mm-hmm. or something to the program. And then he gets on as uh, one of the full-time coaches. And I can remember being down there in the old days when you used to be out on the practice field afterward and you can talk to the coaches. I can remember him specifically. It's funny you say that because it's specifically I remember him saying that the BYU talent offensively, he hadn't been involved in the program, obviously, because when he was coordinating the offense for Utah, he was worried about their defense, so he didn't right. have much knowledge of the offense, even though he's an offensive guy. And then when he got there, he started studying the offense, obviously, and he told me that Neil Pau had as much talent as any receiver he'd ever had at Utah. Now, I know BYU fans are going to scoff and say that's not saying much. I get all that. But the point was he singled him out three-plus years ago on this kid's talent, and then you bring that up, And then obviously on Saturday night, he looked really good. So maybe it's taken a little bit, but we're seeing this kid's talent come to pass, and we should expect big things from him going forward. Eight catches for 126 yards, two scores, had the 67-yarder when he got behind everybody. 
Uh, as a receiver, that's that's just an awesome line. I don't know what more you want out of a receiver. Eight catches for 126 yards and two scores. Done and done. Now, BYU had a lot of receivers missing most or all of that game. A lot of guys we thought we would see production out of. And uh, combined, they made zero catches. Gunnar Romney went down early. Samson Nakua, Kai Nakua. Those three guys, zero Puka. catches. Puka, not Kai. Oh, sorry. Puka Nakua. Uh, zero catches for zero yards. And yet, they still threw the ball pretty well. They're 19-29 for 207 yards as a team. Pau had the one pass he completed for nine yards. The rest of it was all. So... They had the lead. They didn't need to throw it and pile up the yards. They got what they needed. And, man, if you told me they were missing those three receivers, I'm not sure a month ago I would have thought they pulled this off, and yet here they sit now and they pulled it off. And I might add the fact that uh, the tight ends were not nearly as much of a factor as I expect them to be going forward because you look at Holker and Rex. Those are two pretty good talents, right? Yeah. So they should be able to be utilized more. Uh, but you look at, uh, in talking with the BYU folks, that Arizona's defense was better than expected, did some things that they didn't expect. So, in uh, maybe Hall, and in, in, in my mind wondering, does he have first game jitters in an extent? I mean, here's a kid who grew up in the county, talked to his dad last week, wanted to be BYU quarterback. You're getting Now you're getting this opportunity. And so maybe you're too hyped for the moment and all. I suspect we'll see a more settled down kid although it's not like he played poorly by any stretch zero turnovers you'll take that but not okay for the first game gonna have to be better for sure dj and pk hashtag utah state delora gets the snap and this time does give to borgie and borgie gets around the edge 40 45 50 still on his feet down the sideline he goes 30 20 will he catch him no borgie gets the score holy smokes borgie has been kept under control all game only had six yards rushing but takes that one to the house for the first touchdown of the game 15 seconds left utah state with the ball at the washington state seven for a chance to win this game bonner with Tyler next to him. Looks right, throws right, caught into the end zone. That is a Utah State touchdown, and the Aggies have taken the lead in Pullman. DT, are you with me? Utah State has taken the lead with 12 seconds left to go in the game. The Aggies needed everything to go right in the last seven minutes of that game. They needed a touchdown. They needed a quick punt or a turnover. They needed another touchdown. They didn't force a punt or a turnover in the second half. They didn't score a touchdown in the whole game. I don't know where that belief came from, PK, but they're converting fourth downs offensively. They're getting stops defensively. They did it all right in the final seven minutes. They got their two touchdowns, and they got their first road win ever over a Pac-12 school. That's a, that's a Cinderella story for a debut for head coach Blake Anderson right there. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the world of modern technology is beautiful. I'm sitting in the interview room in Allegiant Stadium, and I subscribe to satellite, so I got it on my phone, and I call it up on the satellite radio, and I get Scotty's call. And so I'm sitting there uh, in, the me- in the media room waiting for the BYU players and coach to come out, and people are asking me, what's going on, what's going on? And I got Scotty 
given the play-by-play <laughs> listening to the game. And, and so that very call that we just played, I heard that live. And so, yeah, what more can you expect, man? That was an outstanding win for his program, for sure. And it goes to what somebody told me from the BYU perspective, man, this transfer portal yep. really yep. can be a significant game changer, Yes, which is uh, piling on. Game changer is good enough, but then you set it up with uh, significant and that's what we saw. Off-season predictions are going to mean less than ever. You look at how Arizona and Utah State finished last season and how much better they were in their first games, and they both leaned heavily on the transfer portal. It was just night and day. It was it was just night and day. And it was it, there were a lot of good things from Utah State all along. It's not like they stunk it up for 53 minutes and stole the game in the last seven minutes. They had to be on point a-plus football in those last seven minutes. But, man, that game was 3-3, 6-5. And until that touchdown call we heard from Scotty there, it was 8-6. I mean, they were just battling with Washington State. It just it was, it was just a grinded-out sort of game. And, uh, and they were able to come back. We'll talk with Blake Anderson coming up at 9-30. Found a quarterback. Found a running back. Uh, Scotty had said Tompkins is going to be the go-to wide receiver. He ran an, uh, an end-around, a reverse to set up the uh, TD, got him first and goal to set up a TD, and then he caught three passes on the game-winning drive. He came up big for them. Tompkins is absolutely the guy, and everybody will be trying to figure out how to take him away going forward. We'll talk with Blake Anderson coming up at 9.30. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Throw across the middle. Is deflected and intercepted, and a whole lot of room in front of Leon O'Neal Jr. Aggie sideline. Touchdown on the dive by Leon Man, this one's tough to swallow. Among the toughest to swallow. Hurts. An FCS team comes into Husky Stadium and sends Washington to 0-1 to begin the 2021 season. There may be some people surprised out there. There wasn't anybody surprised in our locker room because of the preparation that they put in this week. This would win it from 41 yards out. We await the snap. Hold is down. The kick is up. Ball game! Notre Dame wins! He nailed it! And they run off into the locker room to celebrate the win, giving the tomahawk chop as they leave. What a moment for Jonathan Dorr! The last highlight there is Notre Dame in overtime, beating Florida State. Eight of the top 25 teams got beat on week one of the college football season. Notre Dame was nearly the ninth, but they slipped past Florida State in OT 41-38. Uh, Also in there, we heard Chip Kelly. No one surprised in our locker room because of the preparation. UCLA beating 16th-ranked LSU to move to 2-0. That was the bright spot for the Pac-12. The downside, you heard the highlight there, is Washington loses to Montana 13-7. The Pac-12 North goes 1-5. Oregon got the win by rallying at home in the fourth quarter to beat Fresno State. They were behind in fourth quarter and in real danger of losing that game. That was a horrific opening weekend for the Pac-12 North and by extension for the Pac-12 the South went 5-1 and one, although they had three money games so not that impressive a money game, so. yeah, right. <laughs> here's the money and the W enjoy yourself well yeah I really think Klyovkov has got to go this is embarrassing nice <laughs> <laughs> hey new guy it's your fault you, you know, got the I, it's embarrassing part right. That part uh, cannot be debated. That was embarrassing. It really was, man. It just, uh, to me, no excuses for the South this year. 
Then I get a South representative in the Rose Bowl. Something's wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I looked at. I, I'm not that sold on Oregon, though. I don't. I'm not a big believer in Anthony Brown. So that that really didn't surprise me. Now uh, I can act like I knew what I was talking about there, but at the same time, in the next breath, I picked Washington to win the uh, division, and uh, they looked awful offensively. Which I suppose I should have figured that out because I figured they'd be good defensively because they return virtually everybody, and they were good defensively. Uh, offensively, the loss of those receivers, one of whom is Puka Nakua, and the other Ty Jones. Who, who was with Fresno now, I believe. And so you've got those two. They don't really have many explosive plays. They only had two plays beyond 15 yards. They got Otten is a really good tight end. I think he's an NFL tight end. He had one of them. And the other one, it didn't come until the last possession of the game. That is just putrid offensively. My goodness, that's bad. Stanford got played off the field by K-State. Now, I think they were kind of in a gray area. How good are they going to be? Coming off a 4-8 and season, that did in 2019, just setting aside 2020, but a 4-8 and season in 2019, that did not look good at all. That was another downer of a score. It was, but at least it's a P5. True story. And it wasn't, I mean, it's a neutral field, but Washington lost at home. <laughs> and... Wondering who the first coach would be who would lose his job. Randy Edsall at UConn announced he will retire at the end of the season. Huskies are 0-2, and they lost to Holy Cross, who's an FCS school. So they his first run there, it was great. They went to a Fiesta Bowl. He left. He comes back. It's not gone well. And he says, I'm out. Start your search. I'll wrap up this year. Good night, everybody. So there's coach number one. We'll see who follows. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. This has been a fluid process for me this whole time. And I'm weighing every pro and con out there, and it keeps me up at night. There's a lot of things uh, that go on inside my head, but it's just where we're at right now. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on a vaccine or a virus or any of that. And so that's just where we're at. That's Carson Wentz right there, the Colts uh, quarterback, talking about uh, COVID and COVID protocols. And that's with no NFL games this weekend. When they shortened the season, they gave themselves this week to get everybody healthy and ready for the openers. Give the guys some time away. You may have seen a certain Jets quarterback showing up in Las Vegas. That, that made a little bit of a little bit of news on social media, a little bit of noise in the stadium. But the rest of the news is it's just COVID left, COVID right. Tom Brady says he got COVID after the Super Bowl boat parade. Dallas Cowboys six-time Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss the season opener against the Bucks Thursday night. He is vaccinated. Jets starting wide receiver Jamison Crowder tested positive. So, And all of them are still living and are going to live. Good for them. And there is your NFL COVID update. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Down three. Tying run is at first. The pitch. Swing and fly. it in the air to deep right field it's way back tucker looking up gonna go walk off home run for jake cronenworth and the padres beat the astros four to three on jake's homer in the bottom of the ninth inning 
Padres get the win. They're a half game in front of the Reds now in the wild card race after Cronenworth, who was kind of a throw-in in the deal with Tampa Bay. That was all about getting fam, and Cronenworth turned out to be an all-star, but whatever. It worked. And uh, Frank Schwindel, seventh inning grand slam by the Red Hot Cubs. And the Cubs beat the Pirates 11-8. to <laughs> Need a cigarette after that? Holy cow, that was... You want to play that again, Yacht? No, don't. No, no it's don't the Cubs and the Pirates. They're two crappy teams. <laughs> no, but... go Giants-Dodgers or something. So give you some level of importance. <laughs> the Giants take two out of three from the Dodgers. They, they split the first two. The Giants got out in front... 6-1 last night, and hold on to win 6-4. So they come out of the last series of the year with a one-game lead, the 19 matchups. The Giants take 10. The Dodgers take 9. Okay, we won't see a Giant-Dodger playoff series. Who's ready for that? Me. Everybody should have their hands in the air right now. That would be good. That would be awesome. Unless one of them loses a wild-card game to the Padres, in which case I'd be okay with it. Bees beat the Sacramento Rivercats 6-3. Two teams square off. Labor Day matinee today at 2 o'clock. Coverage begins at 1.45 on The Zone. You'll hear Steve Klauke on 12.80 a.m. And our regular programming on 97.5 FM. The Big Show at 2 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. It's a weird game, PK. Sometimes you play well for 80 minutes, you tune out for a few minutes, and you end up losing or turning a win in three points into one point. RSL played about as poorly as uh, they can for 40 minutes, then got a goal, got to halftime at 1-1, and then played great the rest of the way and beat Dallas 3-2. Got off the deck. They're headed down to LAFC next week, a game that didn't feel like they were going to go up 3-1, but yet they did, so... A W for RSL. To get back to 500 on the year, eight wins, eight losses, and six ties. Well, anytime you have a coach who went to Thunderbird High, you know that this ball club is going to be feisty. And Pablo was feisty. And he can turn a line, too. You got good English professors or English teachers at uh, Thunderbird High, not professors. Your ghosts follow you. He says stuff during a post-game interview. You're like, oh, that's good. That is good. Well, you'd be a writer. Had, I can tell you, they had just one of the world's best writers who subbed at Thunderbird High for a time. Oh, that a kid. <laughs> That'd be me. I knew. I went back to my own school and worked as a substitute teacher. How about that? And a kid right there. We got to get this guy on, especially now that they're coming off a win. He's more able to joke. Yes, you're right. Uh, the U.S. men's national team won one at home with Canada. Ugh. Are they going to not qualify for the World Cup again? Two games down. Four, uh, they got to play 14, so they got 12 to go, but this is not a good start. All right, what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Blake Anderson coming up at 930. We get time to talk college football. Your reaction to the Cougars season opening win. The Aggies stunning fourth quarter rally and the win at Washington State. We'll get to all that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ready, ready, ready. It's game week for the
the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. All right, question of the morning. How about the Cougars in Vegas? What do you think of that season-opening win? Tyler, did they play? I was too busy watching the Aggies do what they do best. Win! Exclamation point, all caps. We will get to the Aggies with the head coach, Blake Anderson, joining us at 9.30, one hour from now. We'll be talking to the Aggie head coach. Travis says, that's about what I thought they were against P5 talent. Next Saturday will be a stiff test. Agreed. And Michael says, for both teams, uh, it's already starting. It's only Monday, PK, and it's already starting. Agreed. That's all I'm going to say is just agreed. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) David says, I was at the game and admittedly expected more based upon the hype. Guess I better stop listening to the radio. Stadium's quite nice, but again, it's just a stadium. A lot of hype there, too. I guess I better stop traveling and having fun. Winking emoji. Got a lot of BYU fans there for sure. It was a fun atmosphere. It was fun to uh, every time the Arizona fans would cheat, chant U of A, that the BYU fans would just dominate and overtake them. You know, because I don't know what they had five to one, ten to one, probably. Something yeah, I don't know. Two. It was it was a lot to a little. That was pretty clear on TV. Well, we we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. That's no big surprise. They announced a crowd of forty five thousand or fifty four thousand, largest ever to see a college game. Probably BYU had said it before uh, when they played in the Vegas Bowl. So uh, all that stuff added into something that we all want to see because of the fact that it's uh, hadn't had it for a year. Uh, I thought BYU, obviously they played well enough to win, uh, uh, but they're going to have to play better this week. I mean, that's clear. I think, I mean, this goes without saying, the talent level is going to take a market increase, and that's to take nothing away from the Cats because I thought the Cats – they accorded themselves well. They didn't win the game, and that's the objective. There's no such thing as a moral win, but you know, very few teams have lost 12 in a row in the last time out. You lost by 63 points to your rival. And then, if I remember correctly, they had another game the next week, and they canceled it. They said, no, nah, we're not going to do it. Uh, so they basically quit, literally, on the season. And you have to give Fish and his guys credit. Don Brown, the defensive coordinator, has been around for a long time. He knows what he's doing. BYU thought they could run the ball more effectively, and they didn't. So they're going to have to play better, and the players around Hall is going to have to play better. Uh, Hall, Hall, under the circumstances, I'll grade him on a curve, probably a B-. minus. Next week, uh, you can't continue to grade on a curve. Everyone's going to have to play better there, uh, including the defense for that matter. So really then it comes down to being upset that they didn't uh, finish the game off when they got up 21-3? to That they kind of held on to win it as opposed to uh, just dominating the rest of the way? Uh, well, I mean, they, they, they did what they needed to do after Arizona had changed the momentum. Yes. You know, 
There were there were some things there that that were unacceptable. I mean, after they uh, Arizona scored the touchdown, BYU gets the ball, and then they have a delay of game penalty coming out of basically what is a timeout. You knew you were going to get the ball back, and the kid had been kicking it in the end zone, so you were probably going to get it at the twenty-five. And you had a delay of game penalty. I mean, that's completely unacceptable. Uh, the defense made a stop, and then the uh, offense uh, after that got him in a position to get a field goal. So that was nice. There was enough to build on. I think I was a little underwhelmed. I expected more. But in, in talking with some people after the game and then yesterday, I think it was more about Arizona and the transfers that they had with the talent that was there on defense that made it a little more difficult for the Cougars. And then you already mentioned the number of quality receivers. Seems like, unfortunately, Romney's always hurt, so I don't know what to say there. But the Nakua brothers need to get back and have an opportunity to make some plays and, and go from there. The bottom line, to quote Whittingham, because he loves to say bottom line, is that the, the Cougars are going to have to play better if they want to end the streak because – uh, Utah, uh, as good as Arizona played, and I'll give them credit. I've got no problem doing that. I think the Utes are going to be that much better. So, obviously, the Utes are going to want to run the ball. It's Kyle Whittingham. Why wouldn't he? It's what he does, and we got a hint of that watching uh, how it's all going to work out with that whole running back battle, watching that first game. So I'm curious what you thought watching in person, because watching on TV, obviously, you know the numbers were pretty good as far as stopping Arizona's running game. Uh, the 81 yards rushing is a little misleading because they got Gunnar Cruz losing 19 yards. You know, so the backs ran for 100 yards combined. But I thought, you know, BYU can probably live with that. But is that, this is what we always ask after one game, is that because BYU is that good versus the run or is that because Arizona, they're there to throw the ball and running is just something they do to give the receivers a break? Yeah, I mean, obviously they were towards uh, throwing the ball, and Barry Hill's a pretty good receiver. I knew he was a good receiver. Uh, Cruz, I didn't know what to expect there at a quarterback. I wasn't really sure. Uh, hasn't played a whole lot. Uh, I think they had a nice game plan there. and uh, But BYU's defense, you know, it's about giving up touchdowns. You can cite all the stats you want. Yes, and they and kept them out of the end zone. We talked yeah. about the two missed field goals and the pick in the end zone. And if Arizona's looking for why they didn't win the game, well, there's three drives where you got a chance to come away with up to 21 points and you got zero and an eight-point loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and that's the game. Uh, yeah, and BYU had a couple starters down. Obviously, Ellis goes down early, and then mm-hmm. uh, Thule wasn't playing there. Uh, so I expect them to be better, and they're going to have to be better too because Utah is going to present a challenge. That's why this I like actually like having this game, the second game. You have the opportunity to get the rust off. Of, and really, it, 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 this is just a gigantic game. This is the biggest game they've played since they've been independent. Because I don't think BYU's program was in the position it is now with the expectation level that they have now. You can go back to when Taysom and Jamal Williams were seniors, and that, and that was big too. But I think that with uh, Utah, you know, they're looking at looking at the North now. And I I put that in my predictions column. You know, when they got beat by Oregon, they had Justin Herbert there. And there's no quarterback in the North that, at least right now, that looks at you and just, wow, that's that he's a scary dude. So I mean, way, way, way ahead of ourselves here because I haven't even played one game. 
but if they can get to that conference final, the Rose Bowl's right there for the taking, and this is going to go a step towards helping you believe that you're really good. Uh, and at that point, you know, you go into it. Uh, probably if you win this game, you win next week, and then you're going into Washington State, right? That's their first game. Uh, it really sets it up where this would be a major downer. It's not anything you can't overcome, but it would be a major downer. So it's a big game, huge game in that respect. I'm really excited for it. So do you trust BYU's ability to stop Utah's running game based on what you saw in game one? Stop? Can they stop them? No. If you see, if, if my definition has to be stop, no. I, I, not so then it comes down level. to can they slow them down? Yeah, keep them under control. You know, they're going to just like Utah State with Borgie. Borgie's really good. You know, he's been good for a number of years. He only played a couple of games last year. But before that, he was really good. And you listen to Scotty on the touchdown, you know, they had contained him. And then he breaks a big one. So Utah's going to have to do that. I mean, Utah just has so much emphasis on running the ball. Yeah. And Arizona stop, doesn't. Yeah. If you stop them, well, then you're going to win. I don't think they're going to stop them because I don't know that anybody's really going to stop the Utes from running the ball. But at the same time, you know, do not have guys running six, seven, eight yards a carry. Make sure that it's much lower than that. It's half of that. Is that possible? Uh, yeah, possible. Will it happen? I uh, can't really say for sure will it happen. Utah's offensive line, what do I got there? You know, who's available? Who's playing? How good are they? I don't know enough about that. I know enough about the tradition, but I don't know enough about this particular team at this time. And you're getting them early, and you know how much have they developed in, as far as that goes. So that that's a, one of the game's subplots within the game for sure to be able to watch because if Utah doesn't do it and BYU has resounding success there, that goes a long way towards helping the Cougars win. Conversely, it would go a long way towards helping the Utes win if they have a, a good amount of success there. Brent totally downgrades the BYU victory. He says Arizona is the bottom of the Pac-12, and that's a conference that isn't very good this year. Arizona won't make it to a bowl game. Well, the bottom of the conference looks a little different after some of the scores we saw from week one. There were, there were some disasters out there. I don't know that Arizona won't make it to a bowl game. Right now, uh, speaking to the BYU coaches, they were very, very impressed. Can they get to six? Well, uh, we'll know soon enough. We'll probably know as soon as this week. If they don't beat San Diego State, it's probably going to be difficult. Yeah. But if they beat San Diego State, then they got NAU the following week, if I remember correctly, and that puts them at 2-1. and one. So if you get uh, a third of your victories needed for the bowl outside of the conference season, can you find ways to win four more? If Arizona goes 4-5 and five in conference, I would have to consider that an extremely successful season. But, you know, I, I compared this to what Bronco Mendenhall did. The program was in its worst spot in 40 years when Bronco Mendenhall took over BYU, and he got him to six that first season, and then he took off the next three. Phenomenal, phenomenal coaching job by Bronco Mendenhall. Should go down as one of the greatest. He was somewhat awkward when he spoke, so people, and he wasn't very personable to a lot of different people in terms of the public, so he wasn't embraced the way he should have, but he did a phenomenal job at that point. There's just no question about it. And can Jed Fish do that this year? I won't rule it out. It's going to be hard, but I won't rule it out. I'm I'm 100% with you. It's a narrow path. It is there. 
the the North is bad enough that you can't rule anything out, uh, but they got to beat San Diego State. And San Diego State was losing to New Mexico State at halftime and made a bunch of big plays and won the game, but they, they don't look like world beaters. So if Arizona gets that, then we'll see. Yeah. Brad says, BYU did pretty well for the first game of the season. Hall was good after the first quarter, but they have much to improve on as the competition gets toffee. I'm sure that's supposed to be tougher. (laughs) They didn't use the tight ends hardly at all. I'm curious why they didn't use the tight ends. Is that because something Arizona was doing? Are they saving stuff for the Utes next week? Is it just the way the game went? What was going on there? Because high expectation. And you would think with three right wide receivers out that the tight ends, which, I mean, it seems like they have an endless supply of talented tight ends, that somebody would have been making plays there, but it, it didn't happen. I don't know that I have the specific answer to that, honestly. I can bluff my way through it and pretend like I do, but I don't know. And that's some questions that we could ask going forward as to why they weren't targeted as much. I, On the surface, in my private conversations, I'm thinking that it was Arizona's defense and they were able to get a handle on that. But I didn't ask spe- specifically what was going on with the tight ends. I think that uh, one thing that was happening is that Arizona – Converted too many third and fourth downs, and Kalani referenced this in his post game, and we played it earlier this morning. But Arizona ended up with 83 snaps, and BYU ended up with 63. And I wonder how much of it is you don't have the ball, you got other stuff that's going well, you want to feed Tyler Algier, and he ended up with 17 carries. I was a little surprised he didn't end up, you know, at 20 or 25. Uh, Powell ends up with the eight catches. You know, you're targeting other guys, and they're making plays, so you keep doing it. And I just wonder how much of it is, well, if they both had 70 snaps, some of these numbers for BYU would have looked better, but Arizona ended up with a huge advantage there. They didn't cash in on it because they get down and miss field goals and throw the pick in the end zone, but they ran way more plays, and BYU just didn't run enough. So I wonder how much of that. Now, if Utah, who's going to focus on, you would think, focus on running the ball and running it better than Arizona did, that seems like one of the things BYU's got to change is they just they can't have that many snaps on defense, and that was clearly stressed. And that that was a point of emphasis for Kalani in his post game. So I assume it's something they'll try to address. But got to get off the field on third and fourth downs. And you know Kyle has started to get more aggressive on fourth grant fourth down as he's uh, you know become a veteran head coach. He's become yeah uh, more and more aggressive. Fourth and one, fourth and two. Let's go for it. You know for. For a guy who likes to play field position, which he does, he also likes to go for it quite a bit. Well, it depends on the distance. And Absolutely. that was the problem there for BYU is that Arizona was in short distance mm-hmm. each time they went for it on fourth downs. Yep. It wasn't three or more. It was always yeah. two or under, which made the decision easier. All right, DJ and PK, more your reaction. Come and grab your phone. Use the, uh, use the open mic feature on our app. Send us your takes. And... It's a Labor Day, it's a holiday, so if you're getting up late and you missed it, Samson Nakua and Nick Ford came on to talk Cougars and Utes. They are on with us every Monday morning. Samson at 7 o'clock, Nick at 7.30. You can listen to those interviews at 1280thezone.com or get them wherever you get your, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can check those guys out at 1280thezone.com. DJ and PK, we got Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach, coming up at 9.30. Stay with us. 
Ready, ready, ready. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? 15 seconds left. Utah State with the ball at the Washington State 7 for a chance to win this game. Bonner with Tyler next to him. Looks right, throws right, caught into the end zone. That is a Utah State touchdown, and the Aggies have taken the lead in Pullman. DT, are you with me? Utah State has taken the lead with 12 seconds left to go in the game. The Aggies get their first win ever on the road over a Pac-12 team. That is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 4.50, and you can win fabulous prizes on The Big Show. The Big Show will be on 97.5 FM this afternoon. The Bees playing a Labor Day matinee will be over on 1280 The Zone. So make sure you're listening on 97.5 to win on the play of the game. And the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson, is going to join us at 9.30. And PK, that just confirms uh, what you were told by BYU coaches, the portal. It's changing everything, and it turns out it's changing stuff more than we know. If you're way down, you can get back to decent pretty quickly. That didn't used to be true. Remember back in the days of five-year plans, and then coaches got four years, and then they got three, and... Now you start seeing this stuff, people are going to expect it instant turnarounds. At least at least get back to being average middle of the road. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, and that's one of the things I took from the Arizona game is that the uh, BYU coach is talking about the transfer portal and here's how Arizona is substantially better. And if you're going in that direction where you've been a down program, which – when coaches are replaced, sometimes it's not always that. The coach could leave, not necessarily be down. But in the case of Arizona and Utah State, they were down. And the coaches were replaced because they were fired yeah. and or mutually agreed to step aside. But they weren't, as, they weren't replaced because the other guy left it in a good spot and they were getting good game. They got good, uh, Uh, better job. That wasn't the case here at all. There's always different storylines. You know, some coaches get fired for too many five and seven and six and six seasons. That's happened at Arizona state. You know, Ronnie Mack, it was more having a good season and then having a 500 year and having a good season and winning four or five games. So it was kind of up and down and urban Meyer knew there was talent when he came in. These two teams, they were way down. I mean, they combined to win one game last year, and that was Arizona didn't win at all, and Utah State beat New Mexico at home, and the Lobos had their own issues. And so week one to come out and for Arizona to look decent and had a chance in that game, I really thought they had a chance to roll over and go away, and they fought back. And Utah State similarly, and they fought back and won the game with the way they played the last seven minutes of the game. So you just when you start bringing in double-digit transfers – you can plug holes. And, you know, coordinators are really good. You get people who've been doing this 5, 10, sometimes 20 years. 
It's like you can have a lot of good problems, but you got a problem over there at cornerback, or if your D line just isn't good enough, you know, they will just pick at the problem. And in fact, you've got other good players on the field, well, they just stay away from them. They go to the weak spot and they just pick at it and they pick at it and they pick at it. And so to the degree you can go into the portal and upgrade your weakest links can make you look much better on the field. I think particularly for Arizona's sake at the P5 level, because Don Brown has been around for a long, long time, and they can have the money to where he can go and have somewhat of a level of prestige to where you can get somebody like that. It's not an up-and-comer. It's somebody who's already a proven commodity and can take guys, put them into positions to succeed. And I think that's what Arizona did. And to the Utes, with, or the Aggies, I should say, with, uh, with Anderson, you know, obviously at quarterback, he's doing that. Bonner throws that pick at the end of the first half. In the second half, I thought he looked a lot better as far as that went. So you're bringing in an established quarterback, a particularly a quarterback who basically has already played at that level, meaning that, you know, Arkansas State, it's not a big, big-time program, but the competition I think that he faced, it's fit in to a degree with Utah State, Washington State is expected to be one of the lower teams in the Pac-12. So he shouldn't have been overwhelmed by the situation by any stretch because he's already been there, not against literally those teams with those guys. But the level of competition wasn't going to be too big for him. It was a great, great win. You can't underestimate Utah State's win. I'm so happy for those guys. And BYU did what they needed to do. Now they need to amp it up significantly this week. I mean, I, my wife came with me to the game. We're driving back to uh, St. George. God, gosh, I went to bed at 4 in the morning <laughs> last week having to take my kid to driver's ed at 5. I went to bed uh, a half hour before I was getting up last week. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday was kind of a sit-around day for sure. I'm not used to going to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> when last week I was getting up at 4.30 to take her to driver's ed, which began at 5 o'clock. So that was kind of funny. But anyway, as it's we're It's really important home- to get regular sleep, PK. <laughs> we're going to have to have a talk about that. I've been telling Yach, though, I've just been a mess all morning long. I cannot keep my brain well, locked in okay. on Anything. PK, I, I can commiserate with you because we had post-game duties, me and Hans Olsen, for that BYU game. I went to bed at 3. So. Yeah. yeah. And so as we were driving back to uh, St. George from Vegas, she said to me, boy, you know, just watching this game, I was underwhelmed, and I would have to go with Utah as the favorite. And I said, well, I agree with you, sister. <laughs> right now, I would most definitely have to go with Utah as a favorite. I haven't seen the line, but I figured it would be at least be a touchdown and to, to that degree as far as the Utes being a favorite. BYU is going to have to step up its game or this, this thing's going to run to 10. Well, speaking of lines, you got a whole list of them for the big college games. And, man, there are some really – Good-looking games next week. Now, based on what we saw week one, maybe they aren't such good games. But we will get to that next, what the oddsmakers are saying about the Utes, the Cougars, and the other big games that we're going to be watching all day leading up to that game in primetime, scheduled to kick at 8.15. But as you referenced earlier, PK, we've done enough of this. No one's biting on that. <laughs> that thing's not yeah. kicking off at 8.15. Do you hear 8.20, 8.25, 8.30, So slid to 8.25. <laughs> I know, right? All right, we'll get to all those lines next and what it says about week one and where the matchups are headed week two and where we're going from uh, from there we'll do that next stay with us 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK, you're a savant. Savant? Yeah, I checked a few lines last night on Talking Sports. We put up the Utah-BYU line and checked some other lines so I can talk to you about them and have, you know, have a few thoughts prepared and all that. And uh, in the last segment, you just said uh, you were driving back to St. George after the game and your wife said, well, of what I've seen... I." I think, uh, I think Utah's got to be the favorite going into the game. And you said, yeah, I think you're right. I think Vegas is going to have them about a touchdown favorite. The line opened Utah by six. It moved to Utah by seven. And also, they set the over-under at 47. So if Vegas hits both these numbers on the, on the head, that means Utah 27, BYU 20. That's where this thing would be tracking. If Vegas is spot on. It seems reasonable to me, obviously. That's why I went with it. It's ballpark, right? You know what we were doing to make sure, because we're driving very late at night back to St. George, she bought a large pack, single pack of M&Ms, but to make sure we stayed awake, once we got to Mesquite or close to Mesquite, she gave me one M&M at a time. (laughs) 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 So... Growing up in San Diego, I went to SeaWorld plenty of times and saw plenty of shows because I my grandparents' generation all stayed in San Diego, so I had plenty of great aunts and uncles and grandparents and let's t- and they all had the same idea, right? They I don't think they knew how often we went to the zoo in SeaWorld when we were seven, eight years old. <laughs> and and they always have the animal do a trick and then they they give them a snack. It's like if you drive another mile, PK, and stay awake, you can have another M M&M. and M. Yep. They wear this little pouch on their belt. And I, I, I always think it must be gross. I mean, what have you got in there? Like like cut up catfish or something? I mean, what, what, what have you got? You got some, some carp or something? And those seals would do whatever it took to get one more snack. Yeah, I'll, nice put your, I'll put your stupid ball on my nose. Sure. Well, it worked, so you got that going for you. We arrived at our destination safe and sound, if not fatigued. So, we have already discussed at length about what a disaster the opening weekend was for the Pac-12 North specifically, and the Pac-12 generally. Because obviously, if everybody in your league wins, then when you play each other, you get a lot of credit. Now, there's just uh, there's not much room for error here. Washington was supposed to be all that. They're going to Michigan. Michigan won their in-state money game, and uh, they beat one of the directional Michigans. I think it was Western. Uh, Western Michigan, it was yeah. Western, yeah, and they beat them like a drum. And Washington got beat by Montana, thirteen to seven. So, where do you want to establish the line, PK? What do you think? Between whom now? Washington and Michigan. Washington at Michigan. Wow, man, I, I think I'd have to go. Obviously, Michigan, but I don't know what to make of the Huskies, man. I. That was the number one disappointment in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, I'm Pac-12 oriented, uh, and there's just no doubt about that. Everybody knows that. They were but the that- they were the best team to screw up a game like that. But there were several teams that screwed up games like that. And I want to give I want to give a special shout out to Vanderbilt, losing at home by 20 in a money game, getting yourself blown out in a money game. Tip of the hat. Now you're Vanderbilt. Yeah, but so Vanderbilt. I know there's no expectations for Vanderbilt, and Washington was ranked, so I totally get that. But it's one thing to lose one of those; it's another thing to get blown out. Come on, Vandy. Yeah, but that's like Kansas basketball. It's about Vanderbilt's baseball team. 
<laughs> just, you know, they had two of the top ten guys taken in the draft this last year. Uh, so I think I'd have to go right. I, I don't know what to make of Washington yet, but my original thought would be just the low double digits with Michigan. I was thinking Michigan by 14 or 17 because I don't think people really believe in Harbaugh, so it's not going to get crazy. Turns out it's Michigan by 10. Yeah, 10 is what I'm talking about. Oregon and Ohio State. Now, Oregon won, but still people were shaking their heads because they had the lead. It looked, I mean, it wasn't going great, but they, they had the lead, and, you know, Fresno can be decent. And then all of a sudden, Fresno goes, just goes off. It takes a 24-21 lead in the fourth quarter. I think it had been 21-7. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was 17 unanswered, I, I think. Yeah, I it's saw the 24-21. Now, Oregon comes back and wins, but now they have to go to Ohio State. So anybody who's saying, I don't know about Ohio State, they didn't look great. They had to come from behind in the third quarter. Yeah, on the road against a conference opponent who's supposed to be pretty good again, as opposed to a Mountain West team at home. Okay, I get neither fan base got what they wanted week one, but Ohio State – they look a lot closer to the mark than what Oregon gave us. Ohio State looked extremely explosive. Yes. I mean, I just, They scored three touchdowns on six plays. I know. Because they, they, they trailed. Were fine. There are Ohio State fans who are spoiled beyond belief. It's one no, reason you don't like them. It's no. not the only reason. But they made big plays. And they were behind in the third quarter, I know. And that's so what? Disgusting it was a conference game. Fans. Minnesota I, was a decent program. It was program. a conference road game against a decent program, right? All right, where do you want to they, put the line? They're extremely explosive. I don't believe in Oregon. I haven't all – well, I don't want to say all season. It's only been a week. But since we first started turning our attention from the NBA toward college football, I believe Thompson, the freshman out of Phoenix, is going to end up being the quarterback at some point this season. So um, I think Ohio State's going to roll. I think they beat them by 15 or more, but I would go a little lower in the line. The line opened at 11.5. It's gone to 14. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, I look at both of these and think, why hasn't the line gone higher? Uh, why <laughs> Michigan and Ohio State by 20? I mean, is Oregon I really going to stay with the score? you want to entice people into betting, yeah, and okay. you don't want to scare them away. Other big games, uh, well, USC and Stanford, conference opener in the Pac-12. USC, that was a decent performance against San Jose. So now San Jose's you know, Mountain West Conference champ coming off a 7-1 season. Are they good again? USC beats them, handles them, now gets a Stanford team that just got dominated by Kansas State 24-7. Uh, yeah, I think uh, SC, people were getting on them because they did, it took a little bit. Mm-hmm. They didn't they just did. come out and just click immediately. But they, they still won 30-7, to seven. wasn't that the uh, final? Yeah, it was. It was 30-7. Yeah. to seven. But uh, the passing game, which you're so used to it being awesome, uh, Keaton Slovis, 24-36 for 256 yards. And because the game was close enough, they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. It was 13-7 going to the fourth. Uh, he played the whole game. It's not like he came out and you know they got they got the no. young guys reps. He played the whole game. Twenty four, thirty six, two fifty six. And those are decent numbers. I think those are the kind of numbers that you should be targeting. USC though, you expect them to be throwing for three fifty because you know they're well. You expect them to throw it way more than they run it, and they didn't. It was almost perfectly balanced. Thirty six passes, thirty four rushes. Well, they got the uh, Ingram kid from Texas at running back, and they're very excited about him. And then they got the uh, the Polynesian kid. Yeah, who's back. but but Drake London got the carries. 
And I, I know they're all pumped up about Ingram. They gave him one carry. Now, that may not be how it plays out going forward. Um, yeah, I think you might want to I'm on that. the wrong – never mind. Ingram got 15 <laughs> carries. Malapaya got 14. Drake London. I'm telling you, my brain's not working. I've been telling Yak all morning. Drake London got 12 carries. Why in the world? How many reverses He's were they a running? Receiver. I know, I know, I know. I've been telling Yak all morning, man. I woke up – I woke up at a start 30 minutes before I was supposed uh, to be here, and I got here, but that was, it was not a good way to start the day, and I haven't been right all day. Well, I'm not only right, I'm damn near perfect. Yeah, baby! <laughs> Your late night was Saturday. My late night was Sunday. I'm recovering. Happy Labor Day, people. But they did split the carries, Ingram and Malapai, 15 and 14. Yeah, I understand that, but they're, still, they're excited about Ingram. I mean, I watched the game. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? One carry? Yeah, I know. I just, I'm telling you. <laughs> so Sunday to Monday. Watched, uh, Sunday to Monday is when Yacht gets all his good drops of me. That's how it's worked for years. I watched uh, Oregon beat Fresno uh, from the uh, restaurant at Conestoga Golf Course in Mesquite. <laughs> <laughs> PK. How you time this stuff out. Uh, okay, so uh, what do you got for a line in this one? USC at home against Stanford. Yeah, I'd go in the 12 to 13 category. Open to 14 and a half, gone to 17. That's a big jump. Uh, decent chance for the uh, Pac-12 to get an oomph, although it, it sounds like a major mismatch. <laughs> LSU. Okay, UCLA got LSU. UCLA got the SEC. Now it's Colorado, Texas A&M. Can Colorado get the SEC at home against A&M? Old Big 12 foes, and no, now they've both moved on. I don't on. think so. Yeah, neither, I think I, I predicted Colorado to struggle this year. Uh, who'd they beat? They beat somebody, right? Who I can't remember. Who, oh, Northern Colorado was that yeah, who it was? Yeah, that was a money game. Uh, yeah, right, up the, up the road there. And That was a Friday night game. That's why you're – Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm ex- I'm expecting Colorado to have a real difficult time this year. I could be wrong. I think I was right about UC Los Angeles. I said they're going to be way more competitive. I didn't know how it would translate into wins, but I felt that they were going to be way more competitive. And you got to give Chip Kelly uh, a lot of credit yep. there. This is his fourth season, so you're expected to do things, and they did some things. Uh, Thompson Robinson is not a pure passer, so he's no. going to have he's not going to have big time stats. But I don't care about that. It's going to be fine ways to win. Yes and, yes and no on the if big... If you win, no, if you win, it's all yes. There is no... Oh, no. you're right about that. Absolutely. But what it reminded me of is like an Air Force quarterback stat line. Back in the Mountain West days, they don't throw it a lot, but when they throw it, they make big plays. He was 9 of 16. That's the high school quarterback at a school that doesn't throw it much. But it was 9 of 16 for 260 yards and three scores. Yeah, that's massive. Right. So you don't throw it often... But when you do, you make a big play. And uh, is it Dulcich? Is that how you pronounce his name? The, uh, mm-hmm. the kid who went 75 yards to the tight end. That was an impressive run after that catch. That was nice. Stop, let a guy fly by, restart, outrun a guy, cut back on a guy. That was that – was Well, he's very athletic. And big time, big right? And all that stuff. Yeah. And they're expecting, you know, he's probably going to be playing on Sundays, as they say. But uh, w- what line are we going on? A&M and Colorado? Yeah. Uh uh, I'd probably go 17-18. 17. It is 17. So Colorado expected to get blown out at home by, uh, by A&M. The, uh, the non-league wins, your Devils at home against UNLV after UNLV lost their money game in double overtime. 
Congrats, you and oh, all the... Oh, that's probably got to be, what, 25? 30. It opened at 30, 30, and no money came in on Vegas. They had to move it to 32 and a half. And Vegas Whoa. hates to do that because where they get hammered now is if Arizona State wins by 31, then they just get crushed. They lose bets on both sides, and it's just awful. It's the it's one like way I, uh, this thing can blow up on the house. The ESPN commentator, Mark Schlereth, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman, is that yeah. his name? Yep. Uh, he predicts that... Yeah, yeah, Super Bowl and maybe Washington too, if I remember. They won some Super Bowls, and he predicts that uh, the Devils are going to completely implode on this uh, all the investigations. Now, where did he go to college? Is it bias built in here? Where did we got anything? I don't think so. No, I don't know where he went. Did he go to small school? I don't know. I'll find out for you. Yeah. Uh, Remains to be seen. I mean, they were embarrassing. 11 penalties in the first half. Was just, As I said earlier last Friday, I said it totally reminded me of the undisciplined Dennis Erickson regime where Burfick was committing a personal foul on every possession, it seemed, and they were so hesitant to take him out. I mean, they you got to get a handle on that or they're going to be a major disappointment. But uh, obviously Vegas has got all sorts of issues. I think Vegas is going to drift into a further obscurity. Uh, I think you're right. Them. The thought that they needed a stadium and that's what they needed, yeah, but they got a stadium with an NFL team, so now they're getting overshadowed, as opposed to having a stadium that could be theirs and for all the Vegas events. Yeah, that was the dream. From Vegas are from Vegas, not very many, no, you know, relatively no. speaking. Nope, it's a problem in a lot of Sunbelt markets, and uh, they're going to have to deal with it now. Mark Schlereth is an Idaho vandal. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. It was a smaller school, yeah. Yeah. Uh, chances for wins, uh, Oregon State's got Hawaii at home, and Oregon State, despite the loss to Purdue, is actually expected to pick up a win there. So, Well, uh, who did Hawaii beat? Hawaii just beat somebody, didn't they? Yeah, but Portland it was... State. They, they trucked in a big Oregon Sky State. team, and they won. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're gaining momentum, man. they got explosive plays. They have their best game of Week 2 in the 2021 season. They did, okay. yeah. Again, yeah. my brain's not working this morning. For a moment, I thought you were making fun of me. And then I'm like, no, no. he's making fun of the coach. Okay, I got that. I'm back with you. <laughs> not processing info at the right rate this morning. All right, there's a lot of the college football lines for the uh, the big games, and we'll see the Pac-12's rep is on the line with Oregon at Ohio State and Washington at Michigan. So we'll see how that plays out in the conference opener with Stanford and USC. But Utah by seven over BYU right now. That's where that line that's where that line sits right now going into this week. No line on Utah State. They're playing North Dakota. That's a uh, lower division team, so Vegas isn't going to provide lines on that, just like they didn't have a line on the Utah-Weber State game. I'm sure there's some offshore facility that will provide us something somewhere, but uh, well, I see that's that what the thing with me. I stay onshore when it comes to my yeah, gambling. Me too. I, I am onshore. At a kid, <laughs> me too. Little <laughs> <laughs> land lovers. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach. The Aggies go to Washington State, seventeen and a half point underdogs. Down by 12 midway through the fourth quarter. Touchdown, punt, touchdown. They need to win all three of those last possessions. They did it. They get the victory. Blake Anderson joins us next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. From the Action Network, Brett McMurphy, College Insider. Is it just a matter of when BYU will receive an invitation, not if they'll receive an invitation? Yeah, it's a matter of not if, but when. Sources told me that BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF would receive an official invite, and it could happen as soon as this month. And I thought all along when OU and Texas went to the SEC, the best scenario for BYU was nothing else happens. Because if nothing else happened with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, that meant the Big 12 would survive with eight. They would have to reload. And sources that I talked to this past week said, without question, BYU is the clear-cut number one choice for the Big 12. So now it's just figuring out how quickly they can come on board. And by the way, this is all sports. This is not football only. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that. It was a fun night. Your uh, sports information staff sends out an email with a list of superlatives and notes after the game, and they noted that this is the first road win ever over the Pac-12 and the first time an Aggie coach has won their first game since uh, 1973. It's been 48 years. And watching that game unfold, I'm curious where your guys got the belief because midway through the fourth quarter, you needed a touchdown, and you didn't have one in the game, you needed to stop either a punt or a turnover. They'd scored on all three possessions in the second half. And then you needed another touchdown, and that's exactly what happened. Touchdown, punt, touchdown. Where did they get the belief to pull that off in your first game? You got no history with them. The team won one game last year. How did that happen? You know, it's exactly what I told them it was going to happen. It's, it's the exact game plan we had put in place. Just, uh, you know, really, we, we, we just believed we have to get it to the fourth quarter. We felt like that um, that if we could keep it close, that if we could just kind of stay within reach, if we get it to the fourth quarter, that our style of play and our conditioning was gonna was gonna take over. And um, as you watch the tape, that's exactly what happened. And our kids believed in that. We've worked extremely hard to to get to a point where we feel like we can run and outrun people for sixty minutes. It's been grueling to this point. They have uh, accepted it and worked extremely hard and fought in. And I told them before the game that it's going to be a close game at halftime. doesn't matter if we're 14 down. Don't panic. If we get to a point where we're within reach in the fourth quarter, we will outrun them to the ball. We will start moving people up front better than we were in the first half. And we'll, uh, we'll get ourselves back in the game. And guys will be there when it matters. And if you watch the tape, they just continued to outplay them. They just continued to hustle. And and we made some plays late that mattered enough to to win the game. So uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun to see those guys do what we've asked, buy in the way they did, and play with the effort level that they did. That's that is a great foundation for what we're trying to build. So you do realize now that you won the first game. If you don't go ten and two, you underachieved, right? <laughs> well, yes, you know, that's the thing about this particular game. You know, however, many, I'm glad you did the math on how many years because I, I had no idea. I just know it was a long time. Um, 
yeah, if you don't win the next one and if you don't you don't build on it, then then you just look back and say it was a fluke, and, it, and it's not. I mean, the kids are working. Uh, we we did not play our best ball. We made a lot of mistakes, but we played hard, and, and the kids um, really really tried to do things the way we're asking them to do it. And so you're right, man. If you, you got to go keep winning, you got to build. Everyone becomes more important when you win a game like that, and, and that's what we want in the building. We want the kids to expect that. We want the we want the fans to expect that. So I'm curious. You had uh, you know had just questions about different positions, including quarterback. Uh, did those all get squared away and just sort itself out there in the first game? Or are you still uh, questioning some stuff going into the second game? Well, we're still we're going to be detailed about it and, and really research it before we do anything. Obviously, both guys played well in their own in their own way. Uh, we did finish up with Bonner late. Just and people have asked why. Just experience. I mean, the guy's been been in that kind of situation a bunch and and, and come through. And he did uh, in flying colors. Uh, on Saturday night, but uh, not going to jump to any conclusions. I told them before we started this process that it wasn't going to be, you know, one play or a stat line. That it was going to be the the overall picture. But uh, I was pleased with both. They both made mistakes that could have hurt us. Ball on the ground with Peasley and, and, and a, a throw that uh, shouldn't have been put in the air from from Bonner. That that both created turnovers, and those are things we got to fight. We could have, you know, we could have really just put ourselves in a position where we had no chance. So those are we're, – we're not a finished product by any means. But um, at that position, um, we definitely want to settle on one guy sooner rather than later, uh, but have not made that final decision as of yet. Now, I was interested to see what you did at the quarterback position when Bonner put that ball up for grabs towards the end of the first half. Uh, saw how you would play it in the second half. In your mind, as you entered the game and then as the game began, as far as the quarterback rotation – was it a set thing, or were you going by feel to make the change as you saw fit during the game, or did you have it planned? No, we, we told them we were going to alternate series. Wanted them to be prepared and, and didn't want them guessing on who's going next or, or what. We, we felt like both had done enough work coming into the game to deserve that opportunity. Uh, didn't make the change until late, just based off how the game was going and, and, and really just leaning on Bonner's experience. I mean, he's had 20-something games under his belt and, and been in that situation just so many more times than, than Peasley has. So uh, that was really the decision there. But they knew all along, we're going to alternate series regardless of the circumstance and and play you guys. So that just mentally they could be prepared for exactly what to what was coming. The thing that seems like a no-doubter is uh, Tompkins is the guy. Uh, on the next last drive, he had the reverse that got you first and goal. And then on the game-winning drive, two catches for first downs and then the touchdown. You knew where you wanted to go. They probably knew where you wanted to go. And you were able to go there anyway. Yeah, I thought we did a good job spreading the ball around. But he, but he just, he's one of those guys in space that you always have to account for. Uh, you know, I think he had 10 touches, but... But both McGriff and, and Derek Wright had eight, nine cut touches as well, got the ball to the backs. We've always put a premium on spreading the ball around. We don't want you to just be able to isolate on one guy. But you're, you're right, certain guys just stand out. And his ability to play in space, his speed, I mean, the reverse looked good, but it it got ugly real quick, you know, just from pursuit. And he had the extra gear to get around the edge and make what could have been, you know, maybe a two, three-yard gain into an explosive and got us down there to, to be able to score. Um, 
you know, he's he's dynamic really in every area. You just get him the ball. It's really tough for the first guy to get him down. Just talking to BYU coaches after they played Arizona, and obviously they were down last year and entered the game on a 12-game losing streak. And one of them told me, he said, the transfer portal has just been a game changer and to the point where last year, depending on who you bring in and what positions you fortify through the transfer portal, that it doesn't even matter what you did last year. Uh, did, did you see that as far as what you're trying to build here quickly at Utah State? Because obviously you had high-profile transfers come in and play and play significant roles that they can make a difference immediately. So it doesn't matter what last year was. Well, it definitely has made an impact. I mean, I, but it, but you watch. There's a lot of guys that were on that team last year that played. You know, just played lights out. I mean, Nick Hanager had an unbelievable game from sideline to sideline, chasing the ball. And, uh, that old line, I mean, there's there's a transfer up there, but there's a lot of guys that have been here before. Bannerman, Marcus Moore, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Uh, I, I'm pleased with how all the transfers came in and helped us. Calvin Tyler and, and you know, Bonner and, and Justin Rice and guys, you know, Bolden. There's a bunch of great transfers that came in and, and helped us in a big way. But but this is a great mixture. Uh, the Just the way the previous – uh, players have accepted us and, and and just gone out and set the bar for effort and attitude. It, it's been a great mixture, and we've utilized both, uh, building on the foundation of guys that have been here for a long time, but also bringing in some key guys that all are contributing in 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 different ways, some more than others. But but we've been pleased with all the guys that we brought in at, at midterm and even in the summer. Everybody wants to get a game changer and, you know, the dominant player in the transfer portal, but the fact is those guys don't change teams often. They do sometimes, but not often. But I'm wondering how much the transfer portal is helping coaches plug holes where the other team can just pick at a weakness, pick at a weakness, and you can upgrade that. And a guy may not be a world beater, but if he's better than the one you had, that can make everybody better because that's the one place that breakdowns keep happening. Yeah, no, it, it is, it's been key. I, I don't know. As you look at the end of the season, I don't know that uh, you know how many of these guys are going to be all conference type players or or have you know tremendously high stat lines. But you're you're right, a guy that can come in, even if he's a he's a two, he's a role player that plays you know a lot more than he would have played at a previous school. Just uh, a different depth chart, a different environment, maybe just a fresh start. Uh, some of these guys were young and immature and 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 just didn't fit in, and and now they see things differently in a new culture so we've got all kinds we've got guys that are standing out there uh that that are feature players that transferred but we've also got some other guys in the, in the program that are their roles are just a little bit different but just as important because you're not going to just play with 11 i mean you're playing you're playing at least two deep if not three deep on defense uh almost the entire game to play the way we play uh, as i said we're spreading the ball around to a bunch of different guys on offense and playing at a fast tempo which means you typically have to play more guys uh, whether you're the starter or you're the role player, all those guys are going to help us win. It's a long season. I mean, attrition happens. Guys do get hurt. Who knows who has to step into a key role? As you progress through this quarterback competition, could you see a situation where if you go with Bonner, you still have Peasley having an active role because you look at him against Washington State and obviously, he, I mean, he wasn't bad throwing, but averaging 10 yards a carry, almost 11 yards a carry on four carries from with him moving the ball through his legs. Could you see a role for him doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be 
super easy for us to do. You know, Bonner is, is not a great runner, but he's efficient. But Peasley just has uh, just has the ability to make guys miss and extend plays with his feet. It's what he does best. It's what intrigues you about him. But uh, whatever we end up deciding to do and, and just where we solidify it, and as I said, we are going to play with one quarterback <clears throat> this year. We're not going to continue this for, for very long. But I, I could see uh, both of those guys, if they were not the primary starter, having some kind of role on the team. They're just too valuable, and, and their skill sets are too unique. So we'll just kind of see how it progresses. Uh, I think we're close. We just want to make sure we are very thorough and very fair in the process so we, we move forward all on the same page. So the first win at the at a Pac-12 school, that's a big deal. The guys have got to feel great about the way they execute in the fourth quarter to make that happen and come from behind. Now you get North Dakota. How do you make sure the guys aren't riding too high thinking, oh, we got this? Because there's a long list of teams that got paid for money games that took the check and took the win last Saturday. Uh, no doubt. I mean, that's it. They were We were talking about it immediately following the game. The guys were talking about it on the way back. Uh, well, we're sitting there and during a media break, and the, the Washington-Montana uh, score comes up on the screen, as you can imagine how the crowd reacted to that. Uh, so you don't have to go very far to uh, to just look and see. You've got to respect every opponent, and you got to play your best. We made so many mistakes. we got a ton of things to fix anyway. I love that we're getting to play at home. Uh, I'm expecting a great crowd, especially after the win Saturday night. Hopefully that energizes the Valley and and the Aggie fans come out. But uh, we're going to talk about it all week. I'm, I'm hoping and praying our guys respond and really just build on what we did and come out and play a much better football game. And, and uh, we absolutely understand what North Dakota is capable of. Watch them in the playoffs. They got a good, you know, they got a good early win this weekend. But and they went deep last year, and, and they've got a lot of guys back. they got a really, really good running back. We're going to have to tackle well and play great ball. To uh, to earn a win, uh, and, and and I think I think our guys have paid attention, and we'll we'll keep talking about it and, and pushing it all week. I think based on what I knew of the Aggies, following them last year, obviously and we followed them for a number of years. Is I felt like with Bonner coming in, that you'd be able to throw the ball fairly well because I knew Tompkins is a good player and McGriff is good enough, so I thought you'd have success through the air. The thing that I was intrigued about that I was unsure about is your ability to run the ball. And I thought, what you get? You gained like 220 yards, I think, something close to that on the ground. To me, and you can, and you can comment on it, and maybe I'm off base here, but I thought the most impressive thing offensively was your ability to run the ball. Well, I know this, and I've preached, you know, we preach it every day, and, and we preach it in the strength program that the ability to stop the run and run the ball is what how win how you win games all that we do with the spread system and slinging the ball around it's fun and i love it and and, and you love getting the ball from sideline to sideline and clearly we we do spread the field as much as anybody but if you cannot run the ball you you really do not have a, a great chance to win competitive you know one possession uh tough football games and so we put a premium on it you know, we're not real, real flashy in that area, but I thought we were very efficient. And in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter when we needed it, you know, being able to run the ball on third and six and get a first down, being able to run the ball from the four-yard line and get it in without having to put the ball in the air, uh, being you know, having the having the ability to push the pile for six, seven yards uh, late in the game. And, and that's really – that's exactly what we talked about, runs that were two and three yards in the first half we're going to turn into five and six, seven yards 
in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, but we, we have to be able to run the ball effectively. And, and it works really well. You, you mentioned Bonner being able to throw the ball. He did throw the ball well, and, and Peasley did it a, a, as well at times. It all works together. But if you, you're getting two yards a run, you know, it's going to be a really, really long night with a lot of coverage that you're looking at. Uh, we're going to keep trying to get better in that area. I was, I was really pleased at how we did against the big clock. Well, I think that's why that fourth down conversion with about a minute to go just short of midfield was such a big deal because your two-minute offense, quote-unquote, I'm making air quotes now, you, you were picking up two, three yards of play, and I'm thinking, there's only a minute left. They are never getting down the field. And I was starting to think, they might actually do this. And you convert the fourth down, and then all of a sudden, it was 7, 10, 12 yards after that. You didn't even have a third down after that. You had them on their heels the rest of the way. It, in, in a weird way, I know the winning touchdown is the biggest one. I know you had to make all the plays in the final seven minutes, but that one, that fourth down conversion really stood out. It, it changed everything. No, no doubt. I mean, it, you, you're going to, the clock's going to be against you big time mm-hmm. if you don't make that. And it wasn't just a routine play. I mean, it, 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 it had to happen. The kids, you know, we, we've talked a lot about that going in. I'm not sure what the philosophy has been here in the past, just in terms of being aggressive on fourth down. But we talked about being a calculated but aggressive team there. Tried to prepare them a lot during fall camp. Even in some of the scrimmages, we went for fourth down probably more than you typically would to try to just so they don't think of it as some crazy down. It's just do the routine, you know, do the routine thing. And, and really that's what we did. We just kind of – Ran a typical routine play, and, and guys made it. If you don't make it there, though, clock in, in the, the game is really going to put you in a bind to have a chance to uh, to, to finish that off, and, and it, it was probably the biggest play, I agree, of the fourth quarter. So we know in Jonesboro, if you wanted to live it up, you went to the mall. What are you doing, Logan? <laughs> well, we got back at 4.30 in the morning, so I went to bed, uh, to be honest with you, and uh, – Got up and ate, went and ate a little breakfast at Angie's and came in and, and went right to work on the game. So I, I don't know. I haven't figured out the what do you do when you want to when you want to tie one on here in town yet. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Angie's. We've actually done shows previewing uh, the night before Utah State games or the morning before at Angie's. Yep. So yeah, there you the go. kitchen sink at Angie's. You see bumper stickers in Salt Lake City. It's all about the kitchen sink. Last thing, no before, last thing we'll let you go, uh, our boss here, uh, Aggie alum Scott Gerard. I'm just curious how he celebrated with you. Did he give you the pat on the back, the pat on the butt? Did he quietly sob tears of joy? What was it like with Scotty G? Knuckle bumps and a hug was about it, man. <laughs> it was a long night. It was a long night. <laughs> All right. He was pretty happy on the calls. You'll probably hear them at some point. All right, Coach, congratulations on the win. And just tell the guys – you know, not to get too high, this was awesome that they won the opening game for you, and it hasn't happened in a long time. But uh, Coach Romney, who the stadium was named for for a long time, uh, his first game to beat Idaho State 136 to nothing. So maybe that's the perfect game. <laughs> hey, we'll do our best, man. We're, we're just, we want to find a, way, find a way to get a win against these guys. There you go. All right. Thanks, Coach. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach, trying to go to 2-0 and now with North Dakota coming to town. They beat Idaho State 35-14. It's not 136 to nothing, but it's a pretty solid win. That would have been fun to be in that stadium at Washington State and see that Washington score go up. I bet they went nuts. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a the, rival, the arch rival going down to Montana. Bah. Of course, then they had their own problems in the fourth quarter. All right, DJ and PK, there's Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson from Utah State, the head coach. 
Utah offensive lineman Nick Ford was on at 7.30. Samson Nakua at 7 o'clock. If you're getting started late on Labor Day, you miss any of those, they're all up at 1280thezone.com. Blake will be there in a minute. And you can get them wherever you get, podcasts, Spotify, whatever. They're all available. Yak, make sure they're out there for you if you miss them. DJ and PK, final word, your feedback, coming up next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Barry, talking about the BYU win, says, that wasn't pretty, but I'll take a win. It's always fun to travel for the team, too. Traveling with your team, one of the underrated joys in sports. It's usually a blast. Of course, it always helps when they win. But it's uh, cool to see other stadiums, arenas, whatever. I, I, don't think, I don't think in this case, though, it's a true travel. Well, it wasn't a true road game, but you still got to go somewhere on the road with them. It's well, fun. I think that the, the interest level was because of the new stadium. Sure. I mean, if it would have been at Sam Boyd. Uh, <laughs> it might not have been the same zip. <laughs> no, no. And it was a brand new stadium, right? Yep. Uh, first and we've heard it's there. got bells and whistles, but they didn't have fans there. But you could watch Raider games and the announcer would be like, this place is awesome. It's empty, but it's awesome. Uh, it, was, it was okay. Yeah. I, mean, it's, it's, I prefer to have my stuff outdoors. I mean, I think the Niners stadium was better. I've been to that a few, a couple of times. Uh, been in the Cardinal Stadium. I mean, it's certainly better than what the Chargers played in, you know, that old stadium mm-hmm. there. Uh, I mean, it was it was certainly good enough, and there's no doubt about it. It was it's nice. Uh, I appreciated being in there. They they set up the media to where the visiting media or not the I guess I don't know BYU was visiting, but the they didn't have the the media in the same area. The Tucson media was down the hall. <laughs> we weren't in the same area. That's how big it is. And so, and the press box is open air, too, which is nice. You didn't have the glass in front of you. Uh, it, you could feel the crowd a lot better because it was open from that. It was at the top. It was, it was nice. Plenty good enough. Uh, you know, and let people in early enough, particularly down there with it being indoors because it was you know, blazing hot. I walked by the security to get in. You know, and they check your computer bag and all that stuff. And you could tell the gal was just burning up. I said, well, don't worry. November will be here soon enough. She said, yeah, I'd much rather live in a place where I can be colder than warmer. I said, well, you're living in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) Jack says BYU is not near as good as last year. I see them as barely making it to a bowl game. Why did the administration at BYU ban cereal? Because when they see a bowl, they choke. 
Ute fans. I mean that that's a uh, a line that he early. wanted to use. But it, he was all building up to it. Yeah. yeah, it was like uh, what's his face Kelly on the execution of his team. He set himself up last night in the on the field interview, and it didn't work. The old John McKay line: mm-hmm. "What do you think of your team's execution?" And he responded off the cuff: "I'm in favor of it." And so Kelly tried to set himself up, and it bombed. Yeah, it didn't work. It wasn't funny. Uh, so, but I give him credit for trying. Uh, and uh, that that bowl there, or the cereal, I mean, that line there, he tried to set himself up, and it didn't work. Tao says, Bill, you better play better at Utah and make it 11 in a row. Immediately uh, got corrected to be 10 in a row, but people were with the gist of what he was saying. But everybody's got to play better game one to game two. If you don't get better over the course of the season, you get beat. This is going to sound stupid, but I think Utah has to play less better, and BYU has to play more better if the Cougars want to win. We got the rest of the week to break that down. (laughs) I see where you're going, though. (laughs) And finally, L. Buzzard. I'm doing yard work this morning. I thought I'd give this morning show a new chance. All caps. (laughs) Still terrible! Exclamation point. See you tomorrow at 6 a.m., okay? (laughs) We'll try to do better tomorrow. Yeah, see, I can handle that. Just don't attack my journalism credibility and telling me that I'm plagiarizing a text that the sports information director sent all of us. You can call me a bum and all that stuff, but don't encroach upon Yeah, there were multiple media members who put the same tweet out there, and it was clear, well, that was BYU's statement. You're reporting. Right. (laughs) It was obvious. All right, and it was a good statement. That's the one everybody wanted, right? That was uh, horrifying having him stop the game for 17 minutes to attend to him. That was not good. So that was good news. All right, we're out of time. We're going to hear more next. I'm sure Hans wants to talk about his BYU Cougars. I know Scotty G wants to talk about his Utah State Aggies. More college football next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.